So what should people do now? Get ready for the show. Ha! All right, welcome to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. I'm your host, Uncle Steve. And I was going to introduce you to my co-host, Matt, but he's not feeling well, so you're in for a treat today. I think what I figured out is I basically only have co-hosts that are from Australia in some way, (laughs) are tied to it. So on the line with me, with her brand new nickname that she hasn't even mentioned to me yet. <laughs> the first lady of <laughs> Uncle Steve's that. Iron Maiden Zone. <laughs> I have Kirsty on the line. Kirsty, how are you? Hi. What do you think of that? <laughs> I, thought of, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like you're the president of the podcast and I'm your wife or something. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought about it like that. But I was, I, was, I was doing the episode the other day and it just, and I just thought, well, she's kind of like, like the, you know, the, the female co-host person sometimes, you know, like, cause you even said on there, you were like, I've been on lots of episodes. <laughs> I really have. And um, yeah, it's good to get a nickname after like 18 months or something of waiting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, as I always tell people, I don't try to make up nicknames for people. Now, maybe with Andrew, you know, Andrew, he, he, he did it himself when he, when he was like, oh, Weekend Warriors, a great song. And then immediately he became Weekend Warrior. So, but uh. It usually you just, can't be embarrassed about liking an Iron Maiden song on an Iron Maiden podcast. True, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we can have fun with it, so that's what we try to do here. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, first of all, how was your Christmas? Oh, it's really good. Thank you. Well, and didn't yep. you tell me it was 108 degrees Fahrenheit on Christmas? Oh, uh, it was, yes. Or, um, and yesterday it was, at, at, which is also 43 centigrade for everyone who's not in the States. And yeah, it was um, extremely hot, but luckily I've got some really good air con. And um, <laughs> even though a lot of people were having power cuts during the day because everyone was running it. Oh, I bet. Um, mine stayed and I've also got a swimming pool. So that's good. We that's had a good, good. Day. Yeah, that's good. Well, I, I know I said it was, what did I say? It was like 75 degrees. But the thing is for me, it's supposed to be winter. <laughs> it's summer for you. It's 75 degrees. We were all out short sleeve shirts and shorts and everything on Christmas day, which is a-okay by me, so. Yeah, it sounds like a great temperature. Oh, yeah. I, I wish it was like that year-round over here, personally, but. Yeah. We're not, and then you uh, you know how, how Feck gives me a hard time about the taking the bus over to England? Oh, yeah, we all do. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I figured, because you kind of said on Twitter, you said, yeah, if it was 108 Celsius, then we would all be dead. <laughs> so, I figured at some point... Because what did you say on the podcast? What did you say on the Christmas episode? You said, I don't forget things. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> so I figure I'll probably won't live that one down either. So, which is okay. I don't, I definitely, a lot of people might not have seen that, but um, yeah, they all know now. I know you saw it though. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, you're the, you have the, 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 what do they say with the, what's it, is it an elephant that never forgets? So you have the elephant mind that doesn't forget. So. And you always yeah, call me out. That. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. That was good. Oh, gosh. So what me and Matt usually do is we talk about um, 
about the podcasts and the music we've been listening to. So in the last week, Kirsty, what were you listening to? Oh, all sorts of things. Wham, Mariah Carey, Slade, Bing Crosby. So you were listening Christmas to Christmas song. music. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, stuff that I listened to because I wanted to listen to it. Um, so Voyager, we've, I've mentioned to you before. It's an Australian uh, band, right? Yeah, yeah, they're from Perth. Okay. Um, they they just had some news that they um, might be able to represent Australia in the Euro- Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, cool. So there's a contest here to decide who goes through in, coming up in February. Okay. So I was reading about them in the news and I popped my favorite album on, which is called Ghost Mile. Okay. Um, so, so who votes on that? Who chooses what, Who chooses who gets Australians. to go? So if anyone's listening in Australia and wants to vote for them. I'd really like to see them go through, then it won't be boring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, another album I listened to, because of your podcast, because you always play Over Now by Alice in Chains at oh, the yeah. end. Oh, yeah, yeah. So maybe want to listen to the whole thing. Um, what do you call um, that album? What do you call that album? Because I know it goes well, by a few different names. Well, I'm going to tell you what I listened to it on, which was um, the Unplugged album. Oh, okay, so, okay. That's a very good album, too. What the one you're thinking of is called right now. Well, it's got the, uh, some people call it the three-legged dog album. Some people call it tripod. Some people call it just, which I call it just the self-titled album, so. Oh, yeah. That's what I call it, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I used to play that album so much in the 90s. And, the, the, um, the, the dog album the or the? Uh, the unplugged album. Okay, okay. That was one of my favorites back then, so, yeah, played that. Very good, very good. Did you ever get to see Alice in Chains live? No, never. Mm. Did you? Yes, I saw them. <laughs> Here, here's where I get to brag, I guess. I saw them on the facelift tour. I saw them on the dirt tour twice. Um, check this line. The lineup. The first time I saw them, uh, they were the opening band. We didn't even know who they were. They were they were that new. And the the other three bands that came on after them were Anthrax, Megadeth, and Slayer. <laughs> so. Oh, yes. I'm very jealous now. Yeah. So, well, and I then I, I saw them opening for Ozzy as well. Oh, no. And then I saw them open. Brilliant. They had the Lollapalooza Festival way back then. Yep. I saw them headline that. And I don't remember who else was on it, but. I saw a tribute to Alice in Chains recently. Okay. And um, it was Alice in Chains, uh, Audio Slave, and Faith No More. So that was a really good night. Oh, yeah. But obviously, we don't get any international touring bands at the moment. So I've been really loving my tributes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And also, because of you and Feck, I've been listening to Sabbath Bloody Sabbath and Paranoid. Oh, yeah. Because you kept going on about Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, and I've been listening to the Sabbath Arc on the Feck and Metal podcast. Yes. Which was so good. And I'm... Just really a casual fan. Yeah. I'm only really into it in the 70s. So, yeah. But it just held my interest all, all the way through. What's your favorite then, song from the Sabbath Bloody Sabbath album? Oh, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I'm going to say um, Fluff because it's just come to my mind. Fluff, I was the, just thinking the instrumental. The day, I can't listen to anything properly anymore. I have to think about what might be my favorite song in case you ask me. <laughs> yeah well i mean I, I always i just go with whatever pops into my head so if you said fluff fluff yeah, is a very I good do. instrumental i like it yeah i like it 
and you asked um, what's everyone's favourite No Prayer for the Dying song, didn't you, the other day? Uh, did I? Yeah. Oh, I did. You're right. Yeah, because it, it was on Dude's Day. <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing. So Yeah, um, it is. <laughs> I started I it. I what it was, but um, I, I don't play the album that often, so I dragged that out to have a check, and I found myself really enjoying it, so that was good. And what what did you come up with as a favorite? It's Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Oh, wow. Okay. That wouldn't be mine, but that's I okay. Know I know there's other good songs, but it's yeah. so fun. It is. It is. I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I just, my favorite is, I, I like Mother Russia, so. Yeah. It's like a proper maiden song, isn't it? it it's, it's, the, it's probably the shortest, what I would call epic, I think, that they've done. <laughs> yeah. Because it feels like an epic song, but it just doesn't have the length of an... Well, I guess now we're accustomed to 10, 11, 12-minute songs, multiple per album, so... <laughs> yeah, a little bit long sometimes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. So so Allison Chains... So, you know, what's funny is because Allison Chains and Black Sabbath have a certain similarity in, in, in some speed of their some of their songs, so... Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's the sort of um, reason why I like them both. Yeah, yeah. Till Black Sabbath, then um, they changed and got faster, didn't they? But as I say, I only really listened to the seventies stuff. Yeah, same here. Same here. So, anything else? Anything else you listen to musically? Yeah, not much. I haven't had an awful lot of time because it's been Christmas, and um, so, well, we had the radio one. So, I found this radio station. It was called. Elf Radio, and that was all Christmas hits, and we were listening to that. And then I just, no, I've done done enough, and um, we put classic rock radio on. I had all my family round, yeah, and it was all like Led Zeppelin and just all the classics. Okay, there was this really good thing that was just like um, a Led Zeppelin Christmas Carol mashup that went on for oh wow about ten minutes or so, and luckily all my family were really enjoying it too. So that was good. That's a good sign if they'll if they can go with the rock and roll carols. But yeah, because I've been watching lots of um, movies, so I haven't really had quite so much time for the music with it being Christmas and everything. Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Yeah, Elf. Elf. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I do like Elf. Do you have a? Okay. Yeah, we probably watch that twice a year because we watch we have Christmas in July, so we can um, enjoy roast dinner in temperatures that aren't forty degrees. Okay. Um, and it, yeah. We usually put it back on then as well. Did you have a favorite? What was your favorite Christmas movie before Elf? I know. It's really hard to imagine that there was Christmas movies before Elf. (laughs) Um, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I like that one too. I'm old school when it comes to Christmas movies. I don't really watch a lot. Elf, it's funny because Elf, when it came out, it was... It's weird because it became an instant classic and it was like we all knew it was an instant classic as soon as it came out too, which is kind of rare. You don't usually catch something and it doesn't become a classic immediately but that one certainly did yeah and it's funny because love actually came out the same year at the same time love actually i don't know what that one Um, is right well okay maybe it's not really big there um it's a british movie it's absolutely massive okay and um a lot of people think they can't have christmas without that one as well so Hmm. i i like it's a wonderful life it's just it's a real it's it's a really old one that my mom used to always watch since she likes it. And so I, I couldn't I, convince my kids to watch that one. 
I was um, when I was doing the podcast when I was putting the Christmas episode together the day, and I I was just kind of I told I told I know I told you it was kind of a the way I I was surprised it came out as well as it did because of the way I I was doing it like super late at night after work, and it was just I just didn't have enough time really, and I was trying to figure out a way to end it, and I couldn't, and I then I thought, wait a minute. So I found the the little clip from that movie and I was had Sarah up here and she's like, I've never seen that movie. And I'm thinking, cause I just don't watch a lot of TV. So I, I but I thought, man, I got to watch that with her really soon. So, but I love that movie. Yeah. That'd be lovely. Yeah. So uh, I'll tell you what I've been listening to. I've been, uh, uh, and you're from England. So this term will mean something to you. I've been full on brummy all week with my music. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to, to Aussie, I, haven't you? Uh, and and somebody else. So uh, I was. Um, I, I was. Oh yes, Slade. They're from Birmingham. Are they? I did not know that. Yeah. So okay, okay. I did listen. I, you know, and I I told Feck on that episode that I really didn't know if I liked that song, but today I found myself just, just you know, hearing Merry Christmas. I was just, I found oh, myself well, singing it a always, lot. Always used to be my favorite. It just wasn't Christmas till I heard that song. It's a good one. I really, I'm, the more I hear it, the more I'm liking it. So yeah, but I was trying to, I was trying to think of how could I do a Brummy accent? And then so only, only the only person I could think of was Wayne. <laughs> so I was trying to go, uh, so how does Wayne talk? He's like, he's like, hello, I'm Wayne. So I was listening Judas Priest. Black Sabbath. Uh, I thought the next one was going to be Judas Priest, of course. Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> I don't have. I can't do it. Yeah, you stop now. <laughs> yeah, I need to stop. I need to stop before you won't forget that. So, um, but the albums I listen to, I, I, I got into a real Judas Priest thing, and it might have. I don't know because when it gets to Christmas time, I'll be honest. My favorite Christmas singer is is Rob. I love those. I love his renditions of these songs that he does, oh, and so do it. I'd love them as well, especially Okama Coma Manuel. Oh, I know. Sarah likes that one too. Like I when I wrote that on there on the little tweet, I wrote rejoice, blah blah blah, and you were like, Is that a hint? And I was like, Oh wow, she caught that pretty quick. <laughs> so Um But I, I've been in a priest a real priest uh listening mood this past week and I'll I'll have to tell you off record why. But what I listened to, I listened to stained class. I listen. I listen to a lot of Priest, actually. Stained Class, Painkiller, Screaming for Vengeance, Defenders of the Faith, and an old album, Sin After Sin. And I, of course, I'm an '80s guy, '80s '90s Priest guy. So, for me, Painkiller, Screaming for Vengeance, and Defenders of the Faith, I like a lot more than the other two. But I'm trying well, you, to say you went again. Really hard. How did you even have time? I suppose while you were driving. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was at work and yep. just, I had it, you know, I have some days where I just do nothing but play music all day. And then, and that makes it really easy to do. I had a one day last week where I had to drive one way. It was five hours, one way of driving. So, so I had like 10 or 11 hours behind the wheel that day, just driving alone. So, um, and then with black Sabbath, oddly enough, this will be a, this will be a shock. So, I did not listen to Sabbath Bloody Sabbath this week, but we did match up on one album because I did listen to Paranoid multiple times. And um, very good. We did you see the little video I posted where Sarah uh, played? Yes. Yeah. So. Good. Oh, I'm Is glad it's I said that. Movie Iron Man. Have you not watched Iron Man? I I think I've seen it. I'm, I I I usually see those movies with my son. Like if you know, like we yeah. saw the new Spider Man movie at the theater. 
Yeah, me too. And I liked it. I, I liked I like them when I watch them, but I I would if it wasn't for my kids, I wouldn't watch them at all. So I don't understand quite what's happening as much as my kids because I haven't watched all of them right lots of times, and I I don't always know the backstory because they're actually a series. Yes, yes. Yeah, I had my son sitting next to me when we saw it. So every every time something would happen, he'd kind of lean over and go, "Okay, that guy was the villain in the second one with the, that guy." <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. But I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Um, but so one, it's funny because me and Sarah went to the store one night and while we were on the way to the store, for some reason, I think I was listening to paranoid and Iron Man came on. And so she heard it and I'm like, you've probably heard this song. And literally it was that same night she watched that movie and then that song came on and she just said her, my jaw dropped when I came on. So I had to rewind it and play and record it. So, but but my daughter's always singing that song as well. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I said, where do you know that from? Do you know it from Iron Man? And she said, no, School of Rock. Ah, there you it's go. one of her favorite movies. Oh, cool, cool. Let's see. So so I listened to Paranoid. I listened to Technical Ecstasy and Never Say Die. So, And I was listening to a uh, the same podcast that I talked about last week called Sabbath Bloody Podcast. And so I was going through. He, he basically had has went through every album, at least to where I'm at. He'd started with the first one and... and so when he talked about technical ecstasy after he got done, after I got done listening to it, I went and listened to the album a couple times and just kind of, cause I was in the mood for it. And then same with never yeah. say die. So, uh, and then with Ozzy, huh? A big week for you. Oh, I'm telling you. Yeah. And today I didn't listen to any music at all today. I was listening to podcasts all day today, but I did mm-hmm. at the end of my day, I had a, a song by Ozzy called waiting for darkness in my mind, in my head. And so that's on Bark at the Moon. So I listened to Bark at the Moon. Um, and this will take me straight into my, and it's no, it's going to be no surprise when you hear the podcasts I've been listening to this week too. So, so uh, today I listened to the feckin' metal episode that he just put out with a uh, Joe Ziegler, Joe Ziegler. Oh yeah. Which is, I haven't you got know, to that one yet. Yeah. I didn't, I just saw it. I just, I think I saw it when I got off of work on the 24th and I didn't have, and of course yesterday I didn't have any time. So uh, today I knew I wanted to hit that one. Um, I listened to a podcast. These are all all around Judas Priest and Ozzy. <laughs> so I listened to uh, Diary of the Mad Men, which is a new one I've been listening to. And they talked to Rudy Sarzo, who played bass uh, with, with Ozzy when Randy Rhodes was in the band. Brilliant. Yeah, it was really, really cool conversation. Um, and of course... Rudy Sarzo was also in Quiet Riot back in the early 80s. He's in Quiet Riot again now. He played in White Snake for a few years whenever he toured with them on that album that had like Still of the Night and Here I Go Again and all that. So I also listened to quite a bit of the Sabbath Bloody podcast, like I said. And and on the Judas Priest side, I went back and I listened to the Metal Gods podcast with George and Tom. So, uh, so yeah, I was, it's like that's I listened to all Brummy music and all Brummy related podcasts this week. So, <laughs> and I did I did start on um, Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast, the one where he had all the Adrian Smith book stuff, but I never got to. Oh, yeah. I didn't never get finished with it though. I got a certain amount through oh, it. So I, you don't know how the story ends. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yet. <laughs> um, but that's the podcast that I listened to this week. So what did you listen to? Well, you'll be very surprised because I'm not a massive Judas Priest fan, despite loving Halford Winter songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I also listen to the Metal Gods podcast. Okay. Just because um, 
they just sound really cool. And yeah. so I wanted to give it a go. But um, even though I'm not a massive fan, do you remember when I got really addicted to Dream, Dream of Deceiver and I had to play it like about 15 times in one weekend <laughs> a few months back? So <laughs> I thought I'll listen to that one. So yeah. they sound really fun to hang out with. I, yeah. I listened to the Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast, the comeback special. Okay. Wayne and Trevor chatting. Yeah. Um. I didn't really listen to a lot. Obviously, I listened to yours. That takes up quite a lot of my time. They're very long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that I one. I got my Spotify wrapped and it said how much, how many hours I'd spent listening to your podcast. I'm not even going to tell you. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you got to post that on Twitter. I want to see that. <laughs> well, it keeps me busy anyway. <laughs> Do what? Keeps me busy. Keeps me distracted. Yeah. So, I... I really, um, I did listen to, of course, I listened to the Christmas episode. I, I really liked, uh, I, you know, I try to create something I enjoy and I, I can't tell you how many times in a row or how many times I've played that intro, you know, just the, with the music yeah, that so starts. Good. And I'm, I emailed it to my dad as well, because I know he really loves a kind of kind Emmanuel because he used to sing it in the choir. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah, he said it was awesome. He didn't know about it. So I was so surprised when I heard it. Do what? So he's listened to the start of your podcast too. I didn't just share the song. I shared the link to your podcast. There you go. So. I, I kept yeah. playing that for Sarah. I kept going, Sarah, and then Feliz Navidad. And she's like, Dad, <laughs> how many times are you going to play? I'm like, I just, I said, I just like it when the record scratches and then the other song starts. I just like the way that. Yeah. Because I didn't know it how to start it. The um, start of Fast is a Shark by Accept. Did, do, is that how that song starts too? Yeah. Not with Feliz Navidad, but yeah, in that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it was fun. It was it was fun to put it together, and 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 I was really pleased to hear, you know all the stories and and I'll tell you what. There's a I, I don't want to call out one over the other because a lot of the stories were there's a lot of really there's things that people said that made me laugh. There was things that uh, that I you know there was some touching things and there was some. But the story that that the one that I really liked that I a lot one that I really liked a lot I liked a lot of them was. Um, the guy that said his aunt bought him a piano. Yeah. I thought that was such a cool story. And I was like that he learned to play with her and he still has the piano. I thought that's really cool. So did you have yeah, a, did you have a story that you liked on there outside of your own? I like that Jesse played a song for us. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was so good. When it, yeah. When he, when he starts, when it, dun, 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 I was like, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe yeah, that. That was brilliant. And then he played a song as well. Yeah, he played that grandma got run over by a reindeer. <laughs> yeah. He's like, my grandma used to play this for me. Yeah, that was pretty funny, too. So, Well, did you listen to any other podcasts besides that? No. Okay, so so speaking of podcasts, since we're here, I'm going to have to uh, – this is something I forgot about. Do you? I know there's a podcast that we both listen to, and you might remember. I'm going to kind of describe something that happened on it, and you tell me if you remember. A couple of uh, – a couple of blokes waffling on about um, Iron Maiden and Marvel and how they would never buy the shirts or wear the shirts and things like that. You remember all that? Yes, I do. Well, um, today, one of those guys got a late Christmas present from his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and it was three Iron Maiden shirts. Three. Wow. One of them, uh, one of them which I could not believe. Okay, my, my wife grew up in a really, really 
conservative Christian home, right? So she struggles with the Iron Maiden imagery. And if you're going back and thinking of like probably some of the most controversial looking Eddies, does purgatory come to mind? <laughs> oh, yeah. She bought me a purgatory oh. shirt. And it is cool. Right. It is a so, great gift. <laughs> oh, it was so cool. And she goes, I really had a hard time buying this. <laughs> but that's not why I'm telling you this. I know. She bought you me a shirt. You know what's coming. <laughs> and I told her, I even told her, I told her, I said, well, it's funny that you bought me two Iron Maiden Marvel comics shirts. <laughs> because me and Matt were going on about it and how we wouldn't buy them. And so she bought me the one of them's the, the trooper one, which is the one that's the one we, me and Matt both agreed on was pretty good looking. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And uh, you'll be pleased to know. And, and when I first saw the, the wording on here, I was a little scared, but it was Stranger in a Strange Land. Yep. And, but, and I was like, oh, this is going to be the Clint Eastwood looking Eddie, right? But it's not. Like on the back of the shirt, it's a big comic book. And then there's, I've only looked at it for just a second because, but it's got, it's a comic book. And at the bottom, it's Eddie and he's, and it's a stranger in a strange land, but it's not like, it's not like the um, computerized looking writing, like on somewhere in time. But I just thought, I thought, wow, how do I go about this? (laughs) But Sarah is getting really into this Marvel stuff since we saw the Spider-Man movie. And I know you told me that uh, you said Coco wanted a shirt, right? Yeah, but also, yeah, my other child who's not even into Iron Maiden in any way, I said, would you be interested in Iron Maiden slash Marvel shirt? And she says, yeah, probably, because Iron Maiden do some really good album covers. Yes, yes. So, but she she wouldn't be interested in the music. Yeah, yeah, well, that's okay. I mean, they they like what they like. and She it's, likes it's, some pretty cool music, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Just so different. What, so how should I approach how should I approach telling Matt about this? He might be really disappointed. Well, maybe he'll just listen in. <laughs> he'll find out that way. Yeah, he'll have to find out the easy he'll have to find out the easy way. So it'll it's like it's like getting a friend to tell somebody the bad news for you. <laughs> oh, I haven't said hello, Matt. <laughs> hey, Matt. <laughs> Hope you're feeling better. Yeah, get well soon. Yeah, he does that to you all the time. Hello, Kirsty. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh gosh. Well, I guess well, you follow me on Twitter now, so we can actually talk to each other there oh, okay. instead of via your podcast. What would you, was it last week when he said when I asked him? Uh, I'll I'll address that in a moment. So I will address that in just a minute. Percy, I have to ask you a question. Yes. Do you know what time it is now? 
Hey, what time is it? <laughs> I think it's time for some audience participation. Ooh, Matt, did you hear that? <laughs> you got some competition. Yes, indeed. It is time for some audience participation. So, And as you know, I put out two episodes last week, and um, the first one was Iron Maiden Stories Installment 34. And before I read off these names, I want to ask you, because I got some really, and I don't know if you saw some of this, but I got some really controversial feedback from a couple of people on this episode. Um, what did you think about his, because uh, he had a couple of, I know you said that nothing offended you except my what I said about cats. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he was like really into the classics and he'd probably prefer if Yannick wasn't in it yeah. because he likes the twin guitar harmonies. I get all that. I used to think that for a bit. But, okay, okay. You know. So it did. Obviously, um, listening to the albums properly, I've changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I. it was a little... I mean, I've been... I've talked to Chris, a, you know, a fair amount and... yeah. And so I've, it didn't shock me. I mean, I was a little surprised at how strong his opinion on Yannick was. But it's like I say, I just like, look, he likes some Iron Maiden. What do I care? It's, it's like you're not listening to Black Sabbath with, um, yeah. without Ozzy, really, isn't right. it? Right. It really Same is. Thing. Yeah, we're all like that just with like somebody. What you like. I can't get offended by somebody not liking everything. He likes them enough to do a tribute act. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into some of these people that shared. Iron Maiden Stories installment 34. So we got um, Wayne Shuell at Russell and West Madison Streets. Uh, his royal dudeness, Dave in the USA. Uh, now, oh, I forgot. I didn't write one of this guy's nicknames down, but he's got many of them. So he is the man of many nicknames. The Weekend Warrior, Sonya's husband, Georgie's dad, the headmaster, Lord Andrew of Sussex, Andrew Whitnall. And how would you pronounce where he lives? Melbourne. Melbourne. There you go. Matt would be proud. He he, he gets on me about that. He, he he had to work really hard on me to get me there. <laughs> now, uh, so here, let's do a little bit of a question and answer here. So I'm going to name a name, and I want you to tell me if you remember where they're from. My goodness. There's only a couple of them. There's only <laughs> a couple. Jesse, the delivery guy, is in? Uh, Illinois. Very good. Very good. Uh, David Laird. Scotland. Here, I'll Liverpool. read. I'll, there you go. I was about to say, let me read it a different way. The Scouser, David Laird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, the, I'll, these other two uh, I haven't seen before. So, uh, Frank in, whew, this is going to be a word here, Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. It's almost like spelling Mississippi, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-A-U-G-A. I've never seen that word before. Uh, and then... Bob Scott in Aberdeen, Scotland. And then, of course, the Sassanac in, where's he from? Falkirk. Yes. Falkirk, Scotland, UK. (laughs) You know, that was when I learned that Scotland was in the UK, when I saw his email. you've come on a long way, geography-wise. I really have. That's Andy. Yes. (laughs) He didn't say his name. Yeah, Andy. The Sassanac and the, uh, the how do I usually say that? The Sassanac in Falkirk, Scotland. Okay, my buddy Andy, our buddy Andy. So, and now we have a new segment called <laughs> Quit Twos with Kirsty. <laughs> so, 
So how does this work, Kirsty? Because I made the the what they call it, the faux pas of saying queet quotes, but you used it in a lyric. So which one of us gets credit for it? Well, obviously me. <laughs> <laughs> that was when I had Matt on, and he said, "I won't." He said, I, "He said depending on which way I say this, if I say it was hers, then I can't come back on the podcast. If I say it was yours, I can't go back to my home." <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so. I'll I'll, have to, I'll use you in the uh, trademark title. I <laughs> okay. So uh, the the tweet quotes this week are uh, from that episode. Our uh, first one is uh, this week's. Well, let me rephrase that. T Jones in Arizona. He said, "Uncle Steve knocks it out of the park again." Wow, with another Iron Maiden story. We still don't know which football team is his favorite, but I think it's safe to say it's not the Cowboys. I think it's safe to say you're correct. <laughs> um, and then Kirsty, one of our newest favorites on the episode, on the podcast, the honorable counselor, Richard Holmes of the Ulster unionist party. in, I think he pronounced it Garva. I don't know how to say it. It sounded like Garva. Garva. Yeah. Cause I've been yeah. saying Garva and it sounded like he said Garva. And I was like, okay, so yeah, I've been thinking all these weeks that you're probably saying it wrong, but. Yeah. Well, I said, um, I said Falkirk. I used to say Falkirk until I talked to to somebody and they said, no, it's, I think, I don't, you know what? I think I talked to Andy and he didn't even tell me I was wrong. And then I talked to Alan. He was like, no, it's Falkirk, not Falkirk. It's like, I was like, what has Alan been doing to me here? You know what I mean? Or Andy didn't even correct me. What's the deal? So yeah, he, so, so if the counselor can correct me or not, tell me if it's Garva. I don't, I, it's definitely not Garva. I think it is. Yeah, Garva. Yeah. So the Honorable Counselor Richard Holmes of the Ulster Unionist Party in Garva, Northern Ireland. And Kirsty, I don't know if you know this, but he is the only officially endorsed politician of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. Oh, really? You've never mentioned that. <laughs> uh, I, 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 if I haven't mentioned that, I'm, I'm, I haven't mentioned this for you either. Don't be fooled by the cheap imitations, Kirsty. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so he said... A musician this week, Talking Maiden. I listen in awe with not a musical note in my body. How I wish. So he's not like us, Kirsty. You play a little guitar. I play a little drums. So he just, he yep. does a little politicking. <laughs> <laughs> he probably does a bit of singing in the shower. You know, I thought about maybe when people send in, and, and he, since he is so guilty of this, then this could be directed at him too. I would. I thought it would be kind of cool if somebody would do a tweet quote, you know, musically like that, and then sing it, and then I could play them singing it on the podcast instead of me singing it. Do you know what? When I did the um, singing one, I was a little bit worried that Matt was going to be off stick that week, and I don't. I'd end up having to sing it myself. <laughs> well, <laughs> luckily he showed up. Yeah, good thing you didn't do it this week. So, <laughs> all right. So next up, we got um. George from the Metal Gods podcast in Stamford, Connecticut. He said, really convincing argument in favor of tribute bands. Iron Maiden will tour in your area once every three to four years, but a tribute band could be playing near you a lot sooner, as you mentioned earlier. And they very well may play songs that Iron Maiden leaves out of their set list. So, And I can say that that, that was the, one of the coolest things about seeing his band was... Uh, you know, obviously hearing Sun and Steel and Flash the Blade, so. Definitely. Yeah, so. The next episode was Uncle Steve's 2021 Christmas Party, which just came out, uh, 
what is today? The 20, for me, it's the, well, you know what, for me, it's the 26th. I know it's for you, it's 27th for you, but, uh, so literally two days ago, this came out roughly and it was shared by quite a few people. So let's run through them real quick. We got again, his Royal dude, just Dave in the USA. We have a uh, Darwin Revelo from earth or probably Revelo, uh, John Gross in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Hedard Ferron in Montreal, Canada, Philantry in the Mile High City. So, Kirsty, if I say the Mile High City, do you know what city I'm talking about? No. <laughs> okay. So, this is where I'm going to teach you a little geography lesson. Just cool. a very little one. It's uh, the Mile High City in the, the United States is referred to as Denver. Denver, Colorado is called the Mile High City. Okay. So, yeah. That's a pretty cool one. Uh, T. Jones in Arizona again. Um now, this is one that confused me a little earlier. Oh, my gosh. And I can see the name of where this guy's from, too. Uh, it said Professor Fernandez M. S.C. So I don't know if that means medical science, maybe. maybe I bet that is what it means. Professor, I'm going to call it that. Prof- <laughs> Professor Fernandez <laughs> Medical Science in. Now, listen to this name. Ooh, I'm going to say it right. Florianopolis, Brazil. Even though that's probably nothing like what it is. It's probably pronounced in a very nice way. Not Florianopolis. (laughs) Uh, We got a Pantera in Santiago, Chile. Now this one comes from a really cool place. I haven't seen this one before on here, but it's uh, Yuki hashtag Cliff Booth hashtag Q-U-A-T-I-H in Tokyo and Tinseltown. So that could be, I guess, Tokyo or Hollywood. Is that what Tinseltown is? Yeah. Okay. Either one's pretty cool. Tokyo is even cooler, though. So uh, Then we had uh, Oceanografo Vasco de Gama in No Soy de Aqui Ni Soy de Ala, <laughs> which yeah, translated. I, so I, well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I did a translation on that just to see what that meant, and it means I am not from here. Even not from there. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> then we have a... Who, now, this is... A, I don't think anyone's shared from this country before ever. Julio Cesar in... Peria? Periera? Periera? I don't know. Colombia. The, the Colombia is what I wanted to get to. Colombia. So, per, Periera. Peri, peri, there's an I in there that's messing me up. P E, how would you pronounce this, Kirsty? P E, P E R E I R A. Pereira. Okay. Leave it to a. See, you you speak the king's English, so it's easier for you to say words. <laughs> okay. Uh, Juan Jasso Lopez or Jasso Lopez in Cuidad de Mexico, de Mexico. Uh, Juan TXO in Ultramimia. And I looked that up. I could not figure out where that was at. Uh, I'm going to have you guess where the next person was from. It's a person named Kirsty Prince. Do you know where she's from? <laughs> from Oxford originally, now lives in Perth. There you go. That's Now you're getting, now you're getting serious there. So uh, Now this is a name. I remember reading this the very first time I ever read it. And it's... Uh, it looks very complicated, but it's easy to say. Leon Sizkowski. And it's S Z Y S Z 
K O W S K I. And he's from England. And the Scouser, uh, David Laird in Liverpool again. And Jim Crabb in Rota, Spain. And then we have a few Queet quotes with Kirsty again. Whew. I'm going to take a drink. Hold on one second here. <laughs> it's a lot of reading. <laughs> oh, I didn't do a Queet quote this week. Saved you a bit of reading. I know. I know. Okay. Okay. So his royal dudeness, Dave in the USA, he retweeted it, but he also queet quoted it. He said, if you need a podcast tonight, Steve has lined up his all-star alumni storytellers and a bunch of awesome Christmas songs. Give it a listen. And he says, example, Jesse, the delivery guy will tell you his grandma got run over by a reindeer and such. Uh, Metal Chat Podcast with Melissa in Boston. She said, fun episode, great music, and holiday cheer. Caveman Ninja in Greece said, there are worse ways to spend Christmas morning than with Uncle Steve's Christmas party. Happy Christmas, everyone. And lastly, the Metal Gods Podcast in Stamford. I wrote Stamford Journey. What the heck? <laughs> Connecticut. Stamford, Connecticut. He said, here's some of our friends, including our own George, share their musical holiday memories on the Christmas episode of my podcast. Thanks for, oh gosh, I can't read now. Thanks for helping spread some holiday cheer, Uncle Steve. Maybe next time I'll send you all of this and let you read it while I sit here. (laughs) Oh no, I have to do this for work because um, I'm a radiographer and I have to see someone's name written down and say it straight away without having a clue. (laughs) <laughs> oh gosh well it's it's just part of, i guess it's part of the job there so yeah but let's see here uh let's see i think i have a question for you yeah i do have a question for you yes <laughs> are you ready to rock let's rock Welcome to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. I am bringing you another Iron Maiden story. And I have a gentleman from Gilbert, Arizona on the line. I have Tom on the line. Tom, sir, how are you? I'm great, Uncle Steve. Thanks for calling me a gentleman. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. So don't call me one because I don't want you to be uh, lying here. So um, Tom and I have been talking and... um, as as I always talk to people and, and just, you know, just we feel each other out a little bit before we talk and make sure we're comfortable and we get into different subjects. And be, we got into a subject just now that's in his story that I was going to get to way later. And I just told him, I said, look, let's start right now and we're going to hit this. I'm going to we're going to take this in a completely different order now. So 
Tom here was at a very famous show, which I guess a lot of fans would refer to it as the Egg Fest. Maybe is that how we is that how people call that, Tom, or what people uh, call that? I guess so. I would call it the Sharon Osbourne concert. <laughs> okay, so but you were at this show. This was in um, two thousand five. During what was this tour? The early years tour where they were playing stuff from Peace of Mind back. I guess. Yes, that was it. Okay, um, and so. Last night I was I was writing down my questions and everything and I and then I saw again because I hadn't read it in a while and I read that you wrote about being at this show and so I was telling you I looked up an interview I, while I was trying to look up the band list who played at this show and I f- ended up running across an interview with Zach Wild about it because Black Label Society was there and he was basically saying. What should have happened, because he said it was handled wrong, it should have never happened, because he said, wait, I didn't tell you this either. He said, if I was Iron Maiden, I would have, if someone was throwing eggs at me, I would have stopped the show and went out there and killed somebody, <laughs> which I thought was, you know, a little bit much to say, but it was, I understand his point is basically like, I would have been extremely angry, which makes sense. But he said, what should have happened at, is that Sharon should have went to Rod Smallwood and basically said, look, we understand that Bruce is an outspoken guy, but he basically needs to shut up with all the comments about Black Sabbath from the stage. Or, you know, if you, and if you're not going to do that, you're going to be off the tour. And, you know, Rod, well, first of all, what was your response when I, when I said that to you, that they should have kicked Maiden off the tour? They should have offered to do that. If they if Bruce couldn't shut up, what was your response to me about that? Well, I I saw them. That was the last show of the tour, as you said, and I saw them a couple of days before in Phoenix, and it oh, seemed okay. to me that most of the people were there to see Iron Maiden. I mean, just looking at the the crowd, yeah, most people had Iron Maiden shirts on. Sure, I can understand that. I can understand that. You know, I, I know that they had to leave the tour because they had. They had they had dates in Europe they had to get to, mm-hmm. um, but Ozfest just wasn't the same after Iron Maiden was off, and so I wouldn't think that they would want to replace them at all because they sold a lot of tickets. Okay, so so Iron Maiden, so they knew that that show was it San Bernardino? Is that where it was or San Jose? It was uh, it was San Bernardino, okay. California. So that was going to be Iron Maiden's last show on the tour, regardless. Yep. Okay. That was it. Okay. Okay. That makes more. That makes that makes more sense as to why they did it then. But you would you would and I'll, I'll, my feeling about it is this. Even though I'm a bigger Iron Maiden fan than a Black Sabbath or Ozzy fan, if if any band came on tour with Iron Maiden at this stage of the game, okay, it's not like it's 1982 and they're a hungry band that's striving for worldwide domination. They've, they've conquered it all. So it makes sense for them to be invited on a big tour, which Ozfest is probably getting them in front of a different crowd as well. Not, it's not just a maiden crowd. You're getting in front of a black Sabbath crowd. You're getting in front of black label society. And plus it was a lot of bands there that I just have, no interest in whatsoever bands like, um, Oh gosh, what was the name of that one band? Um, Oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I I can't, I looked at them. I looked at all of them last night. I just was like, uh, funny enough. Trivium was one of the bands and that's, who's going to be opening for maiden on their tour next year. But I just thought you're, you're the guest 
and you should act like a guest and treat your host with respect. But, you know, Bruce, we know that Bruce is outspoken. I feel like they should have just, Bruce just should have said, hey, I'm sorry, we'll cut it out. But I don't know that Sharon, maybe maybe she didn't go to Rod Smallwood or maybe Bruce just said no. I wonder about that, but I feel like it was disrespectful for Bruce to do that while he's on tour with them. It'd be like if when Ghost opened for Iron Maiden a couple years ago, if the lead singer of Ghost would have went up there and been bad-mouthing Bruce on stage. I just think, you know, people would have went like, what? What are you doing? So, so okay. You were there particularly to see Iron Maiden. No other band, correct? Right. No other band. Just them. So, do you remember any of the... Did you enjoy any of the other bands? Do you remember any other bands standing out? Well, we, we got there pretty much in time to see Iron Maiden. Ah, set, okay. And when, when, we, when we saw them... In Phoenix, a couple of days before, we stayed for Black Sabbath. Set after that, okay. Uh, and then, so when we went to drove to California, same thing. We got there for Iron Maiden, and um, when Black Sabbath started, we walked out halfway through because we had just seen them, and we were kind of annoyed at what had just happened. Sure. So, so you were there. <laughs> whenever, okay, okay. So, so take let's let's just let's just go through the uh, show here because I don't know exactly when all of the delays happened. I know Phantom of the Opera was playing once when the power got pulled. So you're into the show, you're watching Iron Maiden, your favorite band. At some point, the power gets unplugged. W- 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 tell me, talk me through this a little bit. Well, uh, "Murders in the Rue Morgue" is one of my favorite songs, and I never thought I would see them play it live. Okay. And two days before, this was the concert that we're talking about was on August 20th. Okay. Teenth in Phoenix, they opened with Wrathchild. And I, so they didn't play Murders in the Room Org. Oh, okay. But on the 20th, they did open with that. And oh, cool. It's my recollection. It's my recollection that they cut the sound um, right at the end of that song or somewhere, maybe even during the song. And they, cu- they cut the sound a number of times throughout the show. Yeah. Uh, and every time they did, the band would just freeze and stop and, you know, Yannick Gers would be standing there with his guitar. Like they would just wait for it to come back on and then start playing again. Mm. Um, but you know, it, it, it was, I, I didn't see the egging, you know, maybe I just was looking, but later I saw the pictures of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they played, they played 10 songs all from 1983 and prior. And, um, it was a, a great show. Murders in the Room Org was the first song, and that, that's the song I really wanted. Oh, man, that's that sucks that you were – that's the first song they played. That's the one you really wanted to hear the most, and then that happens. So the power – okay, so the power goes out. They, get, they cut the power. As a fan out there, I mean, I don't know what the band was thinking on stage. I can only imagine the venom, you know, in their, in their minds and their, the thoughts. What are you thinking as a fan the first time the power goes out? Well, I mean, we're not thinking that they're being sabotaged by sure. by their employers. Right, so right, right. We had no idea, and um, you know, it when it happened more than once, we're like, "All right, what's going on?" And then I, they started chanting Ozzy through the speakers, so we I guess we figured out what was going on, and it wasn't really that big a leap to figure it out because Bruce two nights before in in Phoenix had been talking trash about mm. the Osbournes, and you know, yeah. so um, it it wasn't really that what 
going on. But it was annoying because we'd just driven from Phoenix to yeah. San Bernardino to see him, and yeah. it wasn't a, wasn't a good show. But, you know, in hindsight, I guess I wouldn't have it any other way because it was a historical one. Yeah, absolutely. So, what do you what do you remember about the the Phoenix show? What do you remember? If I don't know if you remember anything that Bruce might have said or what you might have thought when he said something. I I don't remember exactly, but I think it was along the lines of I think he was talking bad about uh, about the Osbournes reality. The reality show, okay. Um, and and it was I'm not sure he specifically said the Osbournes is a stupid show. Mm-hmm. But I think he was just talking about how stupid reality shows are in general, and yeah, um, you know, he was. He, and my first thought was, dude, why are you doing that? I mean, they're paying you to be there, <laughs> and that's telling that you, as a fan, were in the audience thinking that. So yeah, and, and the thing is, Bruce, to my knowledge, it must be a Black Sabbath fan to some degree because. He sang on a Black Sabbath tribute album back in the nineties. I don't know if you remember that. That it was called uh, "Nativity in Black." He sang, uh, I believe, he sang the song "Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath." So, so, so you're at the show in California, and now I've never. Now I don't remember. I had one other guy, on, but I don't remember him mentioning this. I have heard about the chant of Ozzy coming through the speakers. Now, was this while they were playing, or was this? when the power went out or something like that or what? I think it was just, I, I think it was just when they cut their power. Um, it wasn't like super loud or anything, uh-huh. but um, so you would have had to have been paying attention. Yeah. That is wild. That is so wild. So, so you go through the whole show, you make it through the Iron Maiden set and then when when does Sharon come out after Maiden leaves the stage? How long is it before Sharon comes out? Well, when they leave the stage, she comes out right to the front with her microphone, and she says, and I remember this exactly, she said, we love Iron Maiden, but Bruce Dickinson is a prick. <laughs> yeah, I listened to that last night. I saw that. And everybody just booed and booed and booed. I mean, it was, I mean, it, here, here's the thing, and you know, I, I understand that that she was upset, but I mean, those were people that paid to go to see them, and she basically ruined it mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, well, you and someone like you is exactly who she ruined because you drove. How far of a drive was it from you to go uh, from the Phoenix area to uh, San Bernardino? I think it's about five, five and a half hours, maybe. Mm, yeah, that sucks. That's a long way to go, and. And then have it. I mean, like you said, it's 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 interesting now because you were at a historical show. But I'm sure that day had to just suck. Well, here's here's the way I sum it up. I got back to work um, the next the next week, and I was talking to my boss about it, and he goes, "Well, that's rock and roll." <laughs> and so you know, I, I wait, wait. You said that's rock and roll, and then it cut out. What'd you say? He said, that's rock and roll. And, you know, I, I really hadn't thought of it that way. You know, I mean, what do you expect rock stars to do? Of course, they're going to act like children. <laughs> that's a really interesting, that's a really good point. Because like you said, that's, when, as soon as you said that's rock and roll, it made me think the same thing. I was like, you know, that is a really rock and roll. <laughs> that's really rock and roll. It is. So, but thankfully for you, 
that wasn't the only opportunity you got to see Iron Maiden in your life. So, because that's one of the things that I thought about about that show is I've thought, just imagine that was the only chance you ever had in your life to see Iron Maiden as a huge fan. And that was the one show you ever got to see. And it just got, you know, sabotaged. Not to uh, throw a Black Sabbath rev- reference <laughs> out. But, <laughs> but that's crazy, man. That's, um, that's crazy. So I tell you what, let's, um, I'm going to shift gears now here and get us back to where I normally would start with people. But that was, we were right in the thick of that. And, and when I listened to, when I read what, uh, what Zach Wilde said about it, I just thought it was really interesting to hear it from, you know, he calls, he calls uh, Sharon Osbourne mom and he calls Ozzy the boss. So he, he's very close with these people and for him to be objective about it, I thought was interesting. And the way he addressed it, he was like, you know, if they were throwing eggs at me, I would have went out there and, I think the word, he didn't say kill somebody. He said, I would have morgued at somebody, like in a morgue. I just thought that was hilarious. But but he said that they should have told Bruce, you know, ultimately before this, they should have talked to Rod and had Rod deal with it. And I think Rod would have deal, dealt with it. I think he would have went to Bruce and said, Bruce, you need to shut up with this. Because as a fan, you saying, what are you doing to Bruce from the audience is very telling. It's very telling. So, Well, I mean... Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of concerts where things have quote gone wrong on stage. Mm-hmm. I think the way that the band reacts to it is 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 kind of more interesting than seeing just a regular show. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was at a. Uh, you remember back in the in the nineties, there was the big riot that happened in St. Louis with Guns and Roses, and the next show that they played on that tour, because I think a few shows got canceled, the next show they played was in Dallas, and I was at that show. And we didn't know what to expect. Because you're there, and you know, that was back when, and I I don't know if Axl Rose does this now, but he went up there and just went on this long, long, just talking about what happened at the show, and it was really interesting. You know, it it made for an interesting show. Well, you know, along those lines, you're talking early 90s, yeah, I saw Iron Maiden in, and uh, I guess you'll get to this at some point in, in this discussion. But I saw them three times in four nights back on the uh, No Prayer on the on the No Prayer tour, and and that was shortly after uh, some people in Salt Lake City had been killed in an. Wait a minute! Wait, you said wait, it cut out a little. You during, said three. You said some people had gotten killed in Salt Lake City. Yeah, at an ACDC concert. That was just a few days before that. Oh, wow. And when Iron Maiden was playing, uh, everybody rushed the stage, and Bruce basically stopped the band right in the middle of the of the song and just held his, his arm up, and everybody stopped playing, like, right away. Yeah. And then he made everybody step back and, you know, paused, and it, it took a, a couple of minutes, and then he just gave a signal, and they just started right up playing again. Interesting. I, it almost sounds like they, he, they were... Well, I'm sure they were aware of what had happened, but I'm sure they probably discussed it too. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Oh yeah, he said, you know, we don't want a repeat of what just happened at the ACDC concert here. So everybody, yeah. step back. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad to hear that because I know they were at the uh, Donington. You know, that's where that Donington that Maiden headlined was. Uh, you know, uh, and Guns N' Roses was involved in that one too. That was an '88. So where the people got killed. 
So, <clears throat> okay, okay. So let's uh, let's pretend we're at the beginning here. <laughs> um, this is where I was planning on starting, uh, Tom. Was and you're still with me, correct? I am. Okay, okay. It's funny. Sometimes I'm I'm I, I'm listening and I don't hear other noise. I don't hear the noise, and I think, oh wait, do I still have this person? Okay, so. Um, in your email to me, you said that you grew up on MTV and you heard lots of bands on MTV. So at this stage when you're before Iron Maiden is in your life, what, what, what bands do you remember listening to the most at that time when you're into the MTV phase of your life? I would say that, you know, up until the mid eighties, I was just an ACDC guy almost entirely. Okay. Um, but you know, they, they would play in, in, yeah, I was a fan of like, like the Police or uh, or Billy Squire. Uh, yeah. You know, anything that they would put on MTV, I liked it because I just watched that channel all the time. Yeah, Van Halen, you name it. Sure, sure. Do you uh, do you prefer Bon Scott or Brian Johnson? I prefer Bon Scott, but I love the Brian Johnson stuff too. Okay, okay. Yeah, I remember being a. Into ACDC. I never was huge, but I always I always preferred the Bon Scott stuff. So And that seems to be the consensus There's among a couple of huh? videos of ACDC, and I know this I know this isn't an ACDC podcast, yeah, but yeah. I watched a couple of videos of ACDC on, on YouTube with Bon Scott singing. Uh-huh. And the guy was just unbelievable. You couldn't take your eyes off him. I mean he he was just as good, if not better, of a performer than Angus was. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame what happened to him. I, I, it seems to be the consensus that people are more into Bon Scott than Brian Johnson. I think that maybe he had a little more, uh, you know, reign. Like he could kind of do more, a little more of what he wanted because he was the original guy. And then when they, when you're hiring the replacement, he's the replacement. So you're the boss, and he's, you know. But no, I don't. I don't ever mind if we get on a different band a little bit. You know, I mean, this this is your musical history, and Iron Maid's a part of it. So we'll get there. So, um. Now you said you didn't see Iron Maiden on TV on MTV. Uh, you weren't watching at that point. You didn't see them on there at that point. Um, so they really weren't in your line of sight. But in 1985, you told me you bought Live After Death when it came out. What made you want to buy it since you weren't really a fan? Well, you know, it, even back then it was kind of legendary, even as it came out. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I knew somebody that had gone to the concert, and so I bought the cassette, and I, I listened to it, and I didn't like it, so I gave it away. <laughs> you, uh, have you, you – the, the, okay. Live After Death is the first Iron Maiden thing that I ever had, and I – there was a guy at my school. I He got in trouble. You If you remember back in these days, you'd get in trouble at school, and they'd make you, okay, you need to write a 10-page paper or whatever. And – so he had to write a 10 page paper and he didn't want to write it. And he said, Hey, if you'll write this 10 page paper for me, I'll give you this iron maiden live after death cassette. And I only knew a little bit of iron maiden, but I was like, okay. So I, I wrote it all in his handwriting, which his handwriting was really tiny. So it, it was a lot more than 10 pages in a way. So you didn't, you didn't have somebody write a paper for you. Did you? <laughs> No, no, no. Ten pages is a lot. I mean, I don't think I could write ten pages now. And it was ten pages front and back. <laughs> so it was a lot. It was quite a bit. So, um, now, okay. The next thing you mentioned in your in your story here, 
is that you're a freshman in college in about 1987. So at this point, Power Slave and, you know, Somewhere in Time are already out, but you still were not into Maiden at this point, right? Right. I, I wasn't a, a fan yet. Okay, okay. And But you said in your college dorm room you had a poster, an Iron Maiden poster on the wall. So what, what poster did you have on your wall? Yep, I had the Aces High poster. I thought it was just the coolest Eddie ever. And even though I wasn't a fan, I really liked that image. So I, I put that up. And everybody assumed that I was a fan, but not yet. That's interesting. That's very interesting. It's cool because because of their they have that image that is just even if you don't like Maiden, you can't deny the coolness, especially in the '80s. You know when they they were putting out the most incredible album covers and singles and everything. So let's see. Now you said also. That you were you were still not a fan of Iron Maiden, and you ended up going to see the Seventh Son of a Seventh Son tour. So, what made you want to go see that tour, even though you weren't a fan at that point? Well, um, I had again friends that had seen the Live After Death show, and I missed it. So, you know, they all raved about it. So I said, maybe I'm just not getting this. So I I got tickets to see them in New Haven. Okay. And I even though I didn't know any of their songs, I went and I thought it was great. All the albums. You went out and bought all the albums. Um, now, all the, the CDs. Yep. You said New Haven, so this is that's Connecticut. Connecticut, right? Okay, okay, okay. Because you said okay, yeah. You said you were from Connecticut. When did you move from Connecticut to uh, on the other side of the uh, the uh, country? Nineteen ninety six. I just okay. got sick of snow. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, when you saw the Seventh Sun tour, who was the opening band? The opening band was uh, Fraley's Comet, which annoyed me because this opened some of those shows, but I didn't get to see Guns N' Roses. I had to see Fraley's Comet. And I know you're a big Kiss fan, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I saw the same tour. Um, do you remember the date of the show you saw? It was July 13th, 1988. Okay, so we saw them literally uh, less than three weeks apart. Cause I saw them July 29th um, and it was ACE opening as well. I was into guns and roses as well at the times. And I, I would have, even though I am a kiss fan, I would have preferred to see guns and roses, especially. Well, okay. Funny enough. I'll, I'll save that for a second. Um, now you said uh, I, um, that you had went and bought all the albums after this show, after you went and saw Maiden, do you remember, like, was it, after the show, do you remember, did you want any of them particularly more than any others, or was it just like, I got to get them all? Oh, I just got all of them, and I took to all of them like a fish to water. Gotcha. Like every, loved every song on every one of them. That's funny. That's It's funny because before you didn't, and then they did ask. So you did tell me also that two days after you saw Iron Maiden, you went to a concert and saw David Lee Roth and Poison with your girlfriend at the time. So how did that show go? The Iron Maiden show and the David Lee Roth show, and and um, the David Lee Roth show was was really good. Um, he he wore, he rode a surfboard across the top of the arena, which seemed that, really dangerous to me. Yeah, but uh, it's it's nothing. You know, I, I'd seen Van Halen there in '86, and that's kind of what what uh, Sammy Hagar did. You know climbing up in the rafters. So maybe he was trying to compete with Sammy still. Yeah. Yeah. Now 
you you mentioned here that your girlfriend did she go to the maiden show with you? Yeah, she did. So which show did she prefer? She liked David Lee Roth. Um, you know, I, back then I'm not sure that uh, most of the fans at Iron Maiden were women, so that's not a surprise. I mean, <laughs> Dave was Dave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's funny because I went to a concert two days after I saw Iron Maiden as well, and it was Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses. <laughs> so, so I got to see Guns N' Roses. Um, in this, I was saying I wanted to see them, but I was getting to see them anyway. And a couple days later, so um, and that was, I had gotten into into Guns N' Roses before, before a lot of people around here did. You know, well before they exploded. I remember hearing "Welcome to the Jungle" on a rate on a like a radio station, and I thought, man, this is really good. And I went out and bought it, and I can remember exactly like being in the car with my mom driving on a certain road by a certain convenience store and hearing Sweet Child of Mine come on the radio the first time ever that I heard it. And I remember going, oh my God, they're playing Guns N' Roses on the radio. I can't believe it. You know? I remember when Sweet Child of Mine was released as a single. I mean, it was just huge everywhere. You couldn't get away from it. Yeah. And I was at a record store and they were cranking it up. And there, there was this older guy. He was probably, you know, about the same age as I am now. I say older. <laughs> and he was com- he was complaining that they were playing that garbage too loud and they were just trying to drive their customers right out of the store. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's funny because, you know, like when you first heard it and then on the radio, like when I first heard it on the radio and I remember just being, I couldn't believe it. And then it was later on, it was like you couldn't believe it if you weren't hearing it on the radio. <laughs> so. But, um. Yeah, they were, that was, I was really excited to see that. I remember I went to a, 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 my friend, I have a friend that went to see Maiden with me. He went to the Aerosmith show. I didn't care at all about Aerosmith. He loved Aerosmith. I could care less. I wanted to see GNR and I was going crazy when they played. And when Aerosmith played, he was going crazy. So it was funny. Um, so do you remember you, so you said you liked all the albums. You don't remember one standing out any, like, did you have a favorite when you started listening to all of them or did you, they were just all equals? Uh, well, it would have been live after death because you know, to me that was kind of the legendary one. Um, yeah. but you know, number of the beast is my favorite now and power slave. So, you know, I probably had similar opinions then than I do now. Okay. Okay. Now, not too long after you got into Maiden, you experienced your first lineup change and Adrian left the band. So when you found out about Adrian leaving the band, what did you think? Oh, it was depressing. What are they going to do now? Were, were you thinking they might break up or? No, I figured that they, I mean, b- bands that have <laughs> that much marketing capability, they don't break up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the thing is about, You know, it, it's it's really cool the the imagery on the albums, but you know what a driving force it is to to market that band. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I mean, obviously the songs have to be really good and really great, and but lots of bands have songs like that, but not that many bands have that kind of gimmick slash hook to them. Sure, sure. Yeah, I remember. <clears throat> I remember hearing that Adrian was out of the band and. Having you know been a fan at that point, I was I got into him when when Live After Death was out, so 
I don't remember really even being bothered. I just remember thinking, okay, who's their guitar player now? You know, what are they, are they still putting out music? And, and so the next, obviously the next thing that came out was no prayer for the dying. And when you heard no prayer for the dying, what did you think of no prayer for the dying? Well, before that, though, um, was was the Bruce Dickinson solo album that I've heard you say over and over again you don't really like too much. Um, and so I got that, and I liked it. Um, it was That was really the first thing that came out after I became a fan. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, I, that's really the only Bruce Dickinson solo album that I've ever even heard. Really? Yep. Oh, wow. I- uh, and, you know, I, I even thought it was cool that he had kind of like a different different slant on things you know he wasn't as serious he was more tongue-in-cheek yeah and i i heard that a lot of the songs or maybe some of the songs on there he had kind of submitted for somewhere in time and they got rejected because they weren't maiden-esque and so that's why he put that out and you know that's interesting i i yannick gers played on that and i had heard that he was the new new guy yeah 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 that's that's funny because I remember listening to that album and you must be reading my notes because I was, I was scrolling up on my screen and I just, I have a, I do have a question there about tattooed millionaire coming out and I, and I went up, I went to the Yannick question next, but yeah, I remember hearing it and you know, I liked it because it was Bruce, but I didn't like all of it. I can remember son of a gun. I liked because son of a gun is like the template for very, you know, for all of iron maidens ballads that they've put out since then. Um, and I remember liking No Lies, and I remember liking Tattooed Millionaire Okay. And over time, I've really grown to like Born in 58 a lot. But outside of that, yeah, I don't like his tongue-in-cheek humor. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. do anything for me. Yeah. Have, have you ever heard his song, um, I, I Play With an Italian Drummer? I've heard it. Yeah, I have heard that. That's hilarious. But, you know, your question was about... Um, no prayer, and I bought that the day it came out, and uh, thought it was great. Of course, I have a bit of a different perspective now, mm-hmm. but yeah. you know that was the first album that I was able to buy when it came out, and I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, a lot of you know you hear a lot of people go, oh well. As soon as I heard it, I noticed his raspy voice, and I didn't like it, and this, and I'm like. I was a fan back then. I don't remember thinking anything of it. I just remember like, okay, it's Iron Maiden. Are the songs okay? Yeah, I like the songs. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking he sounded a little different. Um, and I was like, oh, I wonder what the deal Yeah. Hey, it's got Eddie on the cover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, by, the way, by the way, the next album, as far as I'm concerned, did not have Eddie on the cover. Okay, okay. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. I... I yeah, you gave me the dark. You gave me another question to ask you about that then. So, but in between this, you got to see, you mentioned earlier, you got to see Anthrax open for Maiden for three shows in four days. Now, were these, were there four shows and you just saw three of them or were there just three shows in three days or four days? I saw them on the 23rd, 25th and 26th of January of 91 and they, they played three shows and four nights and I saw all three uh yeah they were I didn't miss any in, in the, those four days okay okay did and they, they were all exactly the same show exactly that's what I was about to ask you if there was any if there were any variations okay all, all the way down to the comments between the songs 
That's funny. What about, did you like Anthrax at the time? Uh, not really. Um, you know, that I, we did, I did see them play, and I enjoyed it, but I wasn't a fan. And as far as Anthrax goes, uh, like the stuff they've put out in the last 10 years a lot, much better than anything before that. Okay, okay. That's cool. So that's interesting that you saw. That's funny to hear that they just did the same exact everything. I mean, you know that I think it's kind of a known thing that when bands tour, they, they kind of have the same shtick between songs and things that they want to say to get a rise out of the audience or whatever. But that's funny that they didn't even playing the same town. And these were all, were these all at the same place or were these different show different places? The first one was at the Worcester. Second one was at the Providence civic center. And I think it was Providence where he stopped the show and told everybody to back up. Uh, and the third one was at the New Haven Coliseum. Okay, okay. So you went, you traveled to see these three. It wasn't like they were, I thought you meant they were all in the same town. Okay. Well, I mean, travel, yeah. I, I don't know how familiar you are with New England, but even though they're different states and different cities, they're still pretty close. Right, right. I got gotcha. you. But that's cool, though. That's still really cool. So now, so the next album came out with Fear of the Dark. You said, now you just said that you didn't consider that you didn't consider the, the Eddie tree to be Eddie. Well, you know, I know he is, but I, I, I like the Derek Riggs Eddie's better. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. I, uh, and as a matter of fact, as far as that album goes, I didn't even know it was out until it had been out. Huh. You know, I don't know what happened to me, because every other album I've gotten right when it came out, but not that one. Interesting, that's interesting. It's I've all, I remember seeing that tour, and I bought a poster of that album cover, and... It was huge. I mean, it was, I mean, I can, I want to say it was four feet tall and, you know, three or four feet wide. It was really, really cool. I've always thought that was <clears throat> one of the creepiest Eddies. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, it just doesn't do anything for me. As a yeah. matter of fact, one of the main reasons, actually, I, I, I'm not sure that, that I put this in the email, but one of the reasons that I got into Iron Maiden in the first place, I know I said I bought the, the tickets to see them in 88, but mm -hmm. um, after I got home from college in, in 88, finishing my freshman year, there was a, a record store in, in uh, Wallingford, Connecticut called Merle's Record Rack. And I would go in there, and they had a huge, huge poster on the wall for Can I Play With Madness. Okay. And I the concert dates on it when they were coming. And that's how I knew to get tickets. But I just thought that that, Ed, you know, the Eddie with the, the spoon coming out of his mm -hmm. head. Yeah. Is, is that, is that the one? Yeah. Or, or it is, is it the, or is it the, no, no, no. The spoon is, is a uh, seventh son, but the, the, can I play with madness has the fist going through him? I think. Mm, I think there's a fist going through him and there's a spoon, I think. Okay. Well, I, so, so that, that, you know, after having the aces high poster on my wall, I'll, all uh, year, mm -hmm. I said that's another cool one. I gotta, I gotta get into these. <laughs> yeah. Now you told me that you. <laughs> well, well, first of all, what did you think about Fe the Fear of the Dark album? Like, where would you? Because I know, and I know that you like to rank things. So, where do you rank Fear of the Dark amongst the Bruce led Iron Maiden albums? I rank Fear of the Dark dead last for all their albums. <laughs> Very good. That's the same for me. <laughs> <clears throat> I always like to say that there's about, and, and I think every Iron Maiden song has some kind of redeeming quality to it, whether it's a musical section or whatever. 
But I think there's about three or four songs on that album that if they were on any other album, they would be the worst song. But because they're on Fear of the Dark, they kind of get a pass. <laughs> yeah, I... I uh... Iron Maiden song, and my rule was, you know, basically up to five stars. And my rule was is that just for being an Iron Maiden song, you get three stars because, <laughs> like you said, every song has some redeeming quality in it, and mm-hmm. you know, and you know, it's it, it's still Iron Maiden, so it's still pretty good. Um, the only problem with giving a three star minimum is it turns out when you're done that the variation isn't that high. <laughs> but still, but even with that, Fear of the Dark was last. Gotcha, gotcha. Their their average stars for Fear of the Dark so for that for that album was three point five eight stars per song. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's and and like you said, because you're giving certain everything a three, that's being that sounds pretty generous. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, like you said, there are there are a few songs on there that are really tough to get through, and you just wonder what they were thinking. But yeah, no. I, yeah. I, 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 I guess I guess. What do I know about writing songs? <laughs> yeah, I, I always like to say I've never written anything better than The Apparition, but <laughs> it doesn't make it a good song. <sighs> now, you said that you had the Raising Hell video, which is, and I, I want to make sure I'm aware of the the Raising Hell video. Is this the one where they had the magician? Yep. That was the one with a cheesy magician and the effects on it, and that was before he quit the group. Yeah, you know, I still have never seen that video. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, it's it's fun for for just being really cheesy. Yeah. But again, you wonder what they were thinking. I, I, I it may have been a pay per view thing, and they, they were just trying to drum up interest or something. I I can't remember the details, but when it came out on VHS, I got it, and now I have it on DVD. Well, I think it was even advertised as this was Bruce's last show. Like it wasn't like a surprise to people. Yeah. So they might have tried to make one last one last cash grab for you know because they they might not have known what was coming. So, but obviously after that, Bruce left the band. I mean, what were your thoughts at that point of Iron Maiden? Like, what, what did, did you think was going to happen, or what? Uh well. I was just hoping that they wouldn't break up, that they would keep going, and they did. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. And you, and and the funny thing is, because and you've already said this, but you said you didn't, you didn't listen to any of Bruce's solo material. Right, I've I've never done that, and you know, I've I've heard over the years from many people that at least the two albums, um, Chemical Wedding and Skunk Works, I think it is. Uh, accident, accident, accident of birth is the one that you're probably thinking of. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I, I just heard you say that on, on a yeah. podcast the other day. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that they're good. I just haven't gone and listened to them. I'll be honest. I mean, because Balls to Picasso was the first one he put out. I like that one. It's It's got a couple of songs that are a little interesting, you know, uh, a different Bruce, um, you know, kind of the way uh, Tattooed Millionaire was a little interesting at spots. This one's a little bit that way. It's got a couple, but it's, it's it was more in the rock vein and I remember hearing it and going, awesome. If this is what kind of stuff Bruce is going to put out, this is cool. And then Skunk Works is really different. It's more, people call it his grunge album, but it's really different. And I like it. I think there's some really good songs. It's just different. And then, of course, when Accident of Birth came out, 
incredible. I love that. Chemical Wedding is an incredible album as well. Um, but uh, so when 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 they announced that Blaze Bailey and I would highly recommend checking out like those albums at some point because I think you'll be if you're a big Adrian fan, you know he obviously plays on. Let's see, he plays on Chemical Wedding and Accident of Birth. So, but I think Balls to Picasso's got some really good stuff. I, I like them all. I, 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 to me, Tattoo. If you like Tattoo Millionaire, I, I think Tattoo Millionaire is the worst thing he ever put out. So, well, the other day, um, my wife and son had me get Apple Music for the family. So if it's on that, I can listen, and I will. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure his stuff. I don't use Apple Music, but I'm sure it's on there. I'm sure those would be on there. Um. So, Blaze, did you have any idea who he was whenever they announced he was the new singer? No, never heard of him. As, as a matter of fact, you know, when, when the X Factor came out, I mean, it was just like totally foreign and new to me. And, gotcha. you know, I, I liked it. Um, you know, I know people say that his voice isn't right for the band yeah. um, and, that, and that Steve didn't do him any favors by the kind of songs he wrote. But, sure. you know, I, I still like those albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and okay. So you you enjoyed X Factor. You now, what did you think when Virtual Eleven came out? Same kind of thing. I mean, Future Real is such a great way to start the album. Yeah. Um, I was amazed that they didn't release that as a single, but you know, I, know. I know that Steve didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but but you know, if they had released that as a single, I bet it would have been a lot more. It would have sold more. That's kind of what I think. I mean, what a, what a great way to to, to grab people. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like you hear that, and if you were a little concerned with what Iron Maiden put out before, you hear the opening of that, and you go, oh, "They're back." Yep. And as a matter of fact, I saw them on that tour, and they. That's really cool. That's really cool. And uh, it was really cool seeing them, you know, run out on the stage and 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 cranking <laughs> that up. Yeah, I bet, man. That's a and it's quick. It's a quick one, and it's uh, and it like you said, that's a perfect opener. So, yeah, and and I saw them. It was a it was a small place um, in Phoenix uh, called the Celebrity Theater, uh-huh. and so any anybody it's it's in the round, and so all the seats are you know around on the the stage will circle, and oh, um, cool. and uh, so I was real close and seeing you know basically you know you know how they do it is that they they all. As soon as the, as soon as the music gets loud, all the guitarists run out at the same time. As yeah, yeah. Put his foot up on the monitor and you know mouth the words and all that stuff. And sure, I mean I was right up close, and you know you're normally not seeing him that close, and so it was it was really cool the way you know he he didn't care if he was playing in front of thirty thousand people or you know two thousand. He was the same guy. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. That's what. Do you remember what what stood out the most at that show that they played? Was there any songs that they played that you thought that maybe you wouldn't have heard with Bruce? Uh, let's see. They played um, uh, "Afraid to Shoot Strangers" on that one. Okay. They did uh, the Klansman, of course. Um, all the "Heaven Can Wait." That was really cool seeing them play "Heaven Can Wait." Uh, other than that, you know, it was, it was a typical set list. Okay. They opened with Future Real, Angel and the Gambler, which I know that um, yeah. lots of people don't like. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, it, it was just so cool seeing seeing them so up close. And, you know, two months later, I got to see Judas Priest with Ripper in the same building. And it was the same thing, seeing, 
you know, these guys who are like larger than life figures. Yeah. Right up close, just because it's a different singer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, and I always, that Ripper kind of makes my, he gives me a theory about Iron Maiden having Blaze Bailey because Ripper is probably about as close as Priest was going to be able to find to replacing Rob Halford with a voice that was very similar. And people will go, oh, well, Blaze just, he just didn't have the voice for Maiden, like what you said, you heard people say. But the thing is, Priest went out and did it, and people still complained about Ripper. Oh, he's not, he just, it's just not Rob. It wouldn't have mattered who Iron Maiden got. It wasn't Bruce. That's, that's, that's the only thing that would have mattered in the end, is it wasn't Bruce. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. And, you know, anybody that says that, that um, it was a mistake to hire, Um, Blaze for Iron Maiden. Yeah. I mean, if, if that's who Steve thought was the right guy for the job, then <laughs> it's his band. And exactly. Exactly. What, who else would know? Yeah, it's it's, and 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 ultimately, it was about keeping the band moving forward and not being gone. Right. I mean, isn't isn't uh, having Blaze there better than no Iron Maiden at all? That's what I would say. Yeah, for sure. Now. You mentioned in your story, and I don't know if if it was around this time, but you mentioned that you got an iron, uh, you got a tattoo that is around the Iron Maiden theme. What tattoo did you get? I got the Aces High Eddie from my dorm room. Okay, okay, and and this was this around the time that what, what, what I can't I didn't write down what year it was when I wrote this down. Was this in the nineties or was this after Bruce and Adrian came back or what? This was in nineteen ninety eight. Okay. Okay. So we were still in that. Yeah, it, it was the year the year before. Okay. Okay. So, what do you remember? Think. Well, let me ask you this. Okay, before I ask you about Bruce and Adrian coming back, when you saw this tour, the Virtual Eleven, in between there and after the tour, did you did you think in your mind at all that things were like? Did you think things were going really well when you saw the show? Did you think? Anything make you think, well, I wonder if Bruce is coming back? No, I mean, I, I never really thought about it. And, you know, when I heard that he was coming back, it was like, oh, cool. And, and Adrian, too. That's even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you said, because they announced this, they announced that Bruce and Adrian were coming back. I believe, I, I want to say it was... I can't remember exactly when it was now. I used to know the exact timeline of it. But in July of 99, you said that you were flying to San... You said you flew to San Jose to see the Ed Hunter tour, correct? Yeah. I, uh, a friend and I met in San Jose to see the Ed Hunter tour uh, for that show. I mean, for that tour. And we, when we got there, um, we went to the venue early. Mm-hmm. And there's a bar next to it. We were sitting at the bar, and the guy next to us says, "It sucks that they canceled that show, huh?" And we're like, "What?" <laughs> and yeah, um, we found out that that uh, they had played the night before in Los Angeles, and somehow Dave Murray hurt his finger, and so they canceled that show and maybe mm. one other. Yeah, and uh, yeah. then they resumed the tour after that. Um, you know, you know, it, it seemed. Um. If he really hurt himself, why would they just cancel one or two shows? You'd think it would be longer. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe it was just poor ticket sales. I don't know. But my friend saw them shortly after that at the Bronco Bowl in Dallas. Oh. Mm. Uh, and, I, I, and he wanted me to meet him there. And I'm like, nah, I don't think I want to go through that again. I wish I had because that would yeah. have been a really cool tour to see. Were you at that show? No. And that is a – I didn't even know that they played the Bronco Bowl until last year. I was looking up tour dates and I saw that. And the Bronco Bowl is a small place. So – I've seen some smaller shows there and I, I saw Ozzy there once when he was doing a small tour for a, he was headlining arenas, but he did a small tour before the no more tears tour. And man, I would, I can't even imagine seeing maiden as they are now, you know, the six man band playing in a small place like that. It would have been wild. Yep. And you had a friend that was at the Bronco bowl. Wow. That's, that's really cool. Oh, I'm I'm so very jealous of that. So, so um, you know what's funny is you think it would have been what would have been really interesting for them to do on that show is if they would have had a show where they played as a five man band with Adrian and Yannick. I think that would have been very interesting. Yeah, you know, um, I, I guess they weren't rehearsed for it. Sure, sure. Um, I guess when you, you know, they, they only had their certain parts that they played. If Dave is out, you know, nobody can really play his parts, yeah. especially with such short notice, you know. Right, right. It would have been, but I think it would, like as a fan, you probably would have appreciated it more, at least getting to, to go to a show, even if it wasn't perfect, at least you're getting to see and hear Bruce back. Yeah, you know, I, I would think that it really was an injury because I, yeah. I doubt they, it, you know, it wasn't like a large tour where they would just say, we're not going to play because we didn't sell enough tickets because they weren't selling a lot of tickets anyway, because it was smaller places. Yeah. Um, so- but um, back in 2017, I went to see a band in Phoenix. Actually, it was in uh, Tempe called the Magpie Salute. Okay. And, um, that's uh, Rich Robinson's band after he broke up the after the Black Crows. Okay, yeah. Favorite groups, and there was evidently some kind of problem marketing that show, and only about a hundred people showed up. Oh wow! And they did not cancel the show, and they played it just like it was a normal show, and it was really cool. So, you know, you really appreciate it when when uh, bands, you know, they sure. they have every they have every opportunity to cancel and don't. Yeah. So I would think that Dave really probably did injure his finger. I don't know. But it, I just, you know, 22 years later, it still bothers me that I didn't get to see that tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think my guess is that that tour was booked for for a tour with Blaze. Because they were playing, like, for them to play the Bronco Bowl in Dallas, like, which is a maybe a 2,500-seater, when you got Bruce Dickinson back in the band... I, I kind of wonder if that wasn't a tour that was already booked to play with Blaze, because you know Maiden's always two steps ahead. So I, I kind of wonder if they didn't already have that booked with Blaze, and then next thing you know, they got a uh, they got. Which you know what? When they played here with Blaze, I want to say they played a pretty big arena. I didn't go see the show, but I want to say they played at a uh, like a, the same place I saw the Legacy of the Beast show. If if I remember correctly, is that what I remember reading? But anyway, so Brave New World comes out. What do you think when you hear Brave New World? I uh, loved it. 
Um, every single song I think is excellent. And uh, I went to see them on that tour. And the, the coolest part was, I'm sure you remember, and I'm sure every other fan remembers, you know, the way it started with Adrian coming out by himself and playing the opening riff to the Wicker Man. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I have to say this, and um, I was not into Maiden as much at this point. And I was at the show, but I was more amped up to see Rob Halford than I was to see Iron Maiden. <laughs> and uh, I, re- I mean, I didn't leave the show early or anything, but you I... Do what? I remember. I remember Rob Halford opening, and I was just amazed because he just stood there and didn't move at all. I was like, I would have expected him to be a bit more of a performer than that, but he didn't. He just stood there and did not move and sang. He's a pretty stoic singer. He does. He he's the opposite of Bruce. You know, Bruce runs around, and 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 Rob just kind of gets his place on stage, and he's very um, stoic a little. You know, but he but. I don't know. I think what both of them sing are is challenging. Either way, I, I guess it's just the personas they have. Yeah, it's funny because I saw Judas Priest one time, and he wasn't the singer. And then when I saw him, he was solo, and yeah, I just thought he would. I just thought he would act like Bruce, but you know, maybe that was just my oh bad. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I remember him being because that 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 he was touring an album called Resurrection. Which which was admittedly his um, audition tape to go back to Judas Priest. He was saying, "Look, I'm back in metal. Here I am, you know." And oh, and he was incredible too. I remember, I remember him opening with that song called "Resurrection," and it's just he's just belting it out like that's that's a heck of a way to open a show to come out with something that challenging. Um, I would think that Rob Halford, anytime he wanted, could have called up Priest and said, "I want to come." Yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, you think that would have been the case, and I, I just wonder if if maybe the um, the lines were muddied between them. You know, maybe there was some bad blood because. And, and the funny thing is, is when he left, he didn't want to leave. He just wanted to do some solo stuff, and they basically said, "You can't do solo stuff. If you're going to do solo, you have to leave the band." Which is really stupid when you look at at the way the world works now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Every everybody's in five different bands. Also, besides Halford, Queensrÿche opened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the and the crazy thing is about Priest is that really there was no real need for him to leave the band, and that hurt their career because they had done Painkiller, which is my favorite Priest album, and then basically. They had, uh, I don't know, I think a five or six year period where they didn't do anything. No albums came out. I think Glenn Tipton did solo. Then they did, you know, they did the two with uh, Ripper. And then it was still 2005 before they put out a new album with Rob Halford. So it was a big gap. He, He left Priest before Rob left Maiden. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, before Bruce left Maiden. and But Bruce left in 93, and he was back in 99. Rob left in 91, and he wasn't back till 05. So he was gone a lot longer. But uh, so you, you said you saw the Brave New World. So at this point, you know, Maiden kind of it gets back on a regular 
album tour, album tour. And the the cool thing they were doing is they would do their album tour. Then they would do a tour in between the album, the next album, where they would do some kind of a greatest hits, classic era kind of thing. So were you going and seeing all of these tours? Did you ask a question? I was cut out. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. Um, they were doing, you know, a tour of the album, and then they would do the in-between tours. Were you going to see all the in-between tours as well? Oh, yeah. I, I, I've, I've <clears throat> seen them every single tour uh, since since 1998, except for two, which in the two I missed were uh, um, I, I missed a matter of life and death because they didn't come to Phoenix and I refused to fly anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I, I was newly married with a, with a, a young baby, and I don't think my wife would have appreciated that. <laughs> yeah. That's understandable. Um, and I also missed the book. Of, the, the, I missed the Book of Souls tour because it was <clears> on a <throat> night where it just didn't work for me. Sure, sure. And so, yeah, I, I've seen every every tour since then. Um, I, obviously, um, I would have liked to have seen them more often. In total, I've seen them uh, thirteen times, which is nowhere near sixty four, but it's still um, <laughs> yeah, still, no. s- still you know I'm, that, that's <clears throat> more than I've seen any other band. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen them seven times. I'm planning on seeing them two times next year. Uh, I'm the tickets go on sale tomorrow, so I'm planning. I'm hoping that I can. I'm planning on seeing them on maybe the opening night that they El Paso. El Paso, uh huh. And then weekends are just better for me. And and then they play in Denver the next. Saturday and we're going to meet um, some different people there. Me and Sarah, me and my daughter are going to go and we're going to meet uh, Matt's going to go. Matt and his family are going to be there. And then I believe, I don't know if you know who Melissa is from the metal chat podcast, but she's going to meet us there too. So that'll be, I'm, I'm kind of setting that as <clears throat> what I'm wanting to set it as is, Hey, anyone that let's have, if, if we're going to have one Iron Maiden show where we're all going to get together and, you know, have a meal together or just meet each other or whatever. I think that's the best spot because it's it's on a Saturday night. You know, we can – so it's on a weekend. So it's – I told my wife I'm, pro, I'm planning on flying in on Friday. Be there, you know, all day Saturday. So anything we want to do, we can we can meet up Saturday, whatever, anyone that wants to be there. And then, you know, then we'll leave on Sunday. So, But I said at least that'll – because like a Tuesday night or something just wouldn't work for something like that because I don't have – I can't spare. I can't fly in on a Monday and leave on a Wednesday during the middle of a week. I just don't want to do that. So, yeah, that's rough. But I. So that's what. That's kind of what I'm planning on. So that'll be. I've never seen a tour more than once. I've seen. Let's see. I've seen Seventh Son, No Prayer, Fear of the Dark, Brave New World, uh, and then I didn't see another show until. Um, what was it? They did uh, the the. What did they call it? the Maiden England? In 2012, yeah, and then I've seen Book of Souls and I've seen Legacy of the Beast each once. So, you know, I, I counted, and you know, I, I'm a no- count and, and rank things, and mm-hmm. I figured out that in the 13 shows I've seen, they've played 200 songs in total. Really, in 56 different in 56 different ones. Wow. So, you know, if, if I if I had seen 64 shows, it might be a little tougher for me to do this. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Now, is 
is the No Prayer Tour, is that the only tour that you saw more than one show? No, well, the No Prayer was three, and then I saw them um, uh, on the OzFest in 2005 a couple times. Oh, okay. So, that's true. That's true. Um, but, yeah, those are the only two times I've seen them more than once on any given tour. Okay, okay. I'm kind of thinking that this next tour they're going to do, I mean, it's a speculation, a total speculation, because, like, Nico at this point is probably 71. So, next year Iron Maiden comes in concert, he's 72. My concerns are, is he going to be there? And would Iron Maiden continue without him? I mean, I know there's already a drummer that could be in place, but... I kind of think that this next tour they're going to do of the United States is it. I think they're going to be done as far as touring regularly. I think that'll be it. Well, I mean, I know that some bands will just cut back instead of doing long tours. They may just play a few shows here or there. Sure. Sure. Which, you know, I, I, I would prefer that than having the members. Well, I interviewed Steve Harris's nephew who plays drums and he's, he plays just like Nico. He plays with one bass pedal and does everything on one bass pedal. He's, he's, I think, I think he is probably the one person that would make sense because it's Steve Harris's nephew. It's kind of like, and so I, I know you'll be able to relate to this. It's, it's kind of like ACDC getting uh, Stevie young to replace Malcolm young. In a way, you know, I think, and for me, my personal opinion is if they keep it in the family, if if it was going to be Joe, which is Steve's uh, nephew, I think that would make sense. And I feel like, because he has a great relationship with Nico already, uh, Joe does. And I feel like he would, I feel like Nico would be, look, Joe's an awesome guy. He's an awesome drummer. He's in the family already. I want Maiden to continue whether or not I can. I feel like that's, I feel like Nico would be, you know, would be classy about it. I don't think he's going to be like, because I don't think they're going to force him out. I think that Nico will tell them I can't do it. Well, it, I mean, if it comes not to only that. that, not only that, I mean, I, I've seen Iron Maiden enough times to know that you can't even see Nico behind his drum kit. So who <laughs> would even notice? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think they would do it unbeknownst to the fans by any means either, but I do think that. I think he's the one guy. Well, okay. Here's my thoughts on, on Maiden. If Bruce left the band, it's over. If Steve decides it's over, it's over. If Dave was not in the band, I think it's over. If Adrian was not in the band, I think it's over. Yannick, maybe there's a possibility they would say, you know what? We were here before Yannick and we were a band when it was a five-man band, so maybe they would maybe go without Yannick. Maybe I don't know. And Nico, I think they because it's you know Steve Harris's nephew. I think maybe they would consider it. Does that all sound fair? Does that all sound like? Would you agree with everything I said? I I would, and uh, you know I, I would I would also add ever break up that they're leaving a lot of money on the table. So that's got to be a consideration too. Yeah. I feel like Maiden would have been one of these bands that's um, been that because they've had great management over the years, I would think that they're a, they're a group of guys that 
they're not these outlet. Like I've read a lot about the band Kiss and they just, you know, were just blowing money left and right on everything. And it, it feels like Maiden would have made better decisions with their money. They haven't lived these flashy lives and everything. So maybe they're in a better financial spot. Yeah, I'm not saying that I think they need the money. I'm just saying that whenever you make a decision that involves a lot of money, you just have to make sure you're sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I do think that that they could maybe do a one-off show here or there if they were to say, we're going to stop touring. But I don't think Maiden, they seem like the integrity level of what they would do would be similar to maybe a band like Rush, where they would say, if we call it quits, we're calling it quits. Yeah, I agree. So... Um, now we, we talked about brave new world, but as far as the albums moving forward, when dance of death is kind of controversial because first of all, it's got probably the worst album cover in maiden lore. (laughs) Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think that album cover turned me off from giving it a fair shot. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of that out there. Uh, I, I did see them on that tour and uh-huh. I saw them on that tour and I, I liked it, but um, I, I'm not sure that I, I like no more lies, but I'm not sure that I, I listened to it as much as I should have when it came out. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because that's, that's a conversation I've had with Matt recently is about, we've been talking about that particular album and it's, I feel like the, the first song on the album is the worst opening track on any Iron Maiden album, bar none. I don't think there's a, I don't think they have, they don't really have any bad opening tracks, but that one is, if I'm ranking them, that's probably going to be 17. Yeah, I could see that. And I think that if you take the album cover, like you said, I mean, that's a perfect example of an album cover going, oh man, that's just, What's going on? Why would they do this? And then you hear the opening track and you're like, whoa, what's going on here? It it, it, it turned me off. The opening track turned me off to the album some. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really uh, the biggest fan of The Wildest Dreams either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you did see the tour and did you, you think the tour was pretty good, I guess, I'm sure. Yeah, um, I saw them on... August 22nd of 2003, and they, I, I remember what I liked most about that show. Okay. Like Revelations, and I wasn't ever expecting to see them play that. Oh, cool, cool. So, now you've seen 13 different shows, um, and it's like you were saying earlier, comparing you know 13 or my 7 to 64, it's probably easier to remember this, but, and I'm assuming... I was getting ready to ask this question. I think I know what the answer is going to be, but what would you say was, was there one show that you felt like Iron Maiden just didn't have it or that you would consider the, your least favorite show? No, every single one of them was awesome. Awesome. That is really cool. That's really cool. Um, so I, I don't remember, I don't, I don't remember who it was, but you were interviewing, um, a fan that I a podcast that I listened to a couple weeks ago, and they said that they were disappointed in one of the shows, and uh, I that seems kind of beyond my experience because they always seem to bring it from my point of view. Yeah, um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about um, <clears throat> George said that he that they didn't seem like they had a lot of energy, and he he also said that the sound in the place he went was really really bad. So I, I kind of wonder if that didn't play a big part in it too. 
Yeah, I mean, you, it, I would think that if if anybody ever goes out there and doesn't give it their 110%, Steve Harris is going to get right in their face and go, dude, yeah. what are you doing? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, like I said, when I saw them in 98 in that little small venue, he was going 100 miles an hour like he always did yeah. in front of huge crowds. So that just doesn't seem like it's their style to go out there with low energy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like the 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 ultimate litmus test for Iron Maiden is, look, Steve Harris got rid of Adrian Smith at one point. <laughs> so he's not afraid to make changes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I would imagine that Adrian wanted to go. I think it was... You know, the direction of No Prayer was not where he wanted to go. He wanted to continue along the lines of what they were doing with Seventh Son. And he wasn't afraid to tell Steve that either. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think Steve fired him against his will. I think I think he said, look, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you in? And, and Adrian said no, and he left. Right. I, I, I would tend to doubt that Steve actually fired him and got rid of him. But I think Steve was not going to budge for him either. No, I mean, it's his band. Why should he? Yeah, yeah. So, now you saw, okay, obviously this is where, in that this is the time frame, the next tour is the time frame that you saw the OzFest show. Um, and you said you did stay for Black Sabbath at the first show, but the second show you said you you left a couple songs in? Yeah, we left a couple songs in, mostly because, I, I guess mostly because we had just seen them. Yeah. Um, but, but secondly, we were just like, oh, man. They just ruined this for us. I'm not going to watch Ozzy now. Yeah. That's... And of course, you know, with hindsight, I know Ozzy had nothing to do with it. He was barely awake. It was all Sharon. But, <laughs> you know, that's one of the things that Zach Wilde said in that interview. He said, I can tell you with 100% certainty that Ozzy knew nothing of that. He didn't have any idea that. I don't even know that he knew it happened after it happened. So, you know, he. Ozzy's there doing his thing and he's just. But did you notice a lot of people leaving, though, as well? Yeah, there were lots of people were leaving. Because I had a guy, uh, I had Paul on, he's in California. He said he remembers seeing a lot of people leaving. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, like I said before, I mean, it seemed like, you know, if you go to a regular Iron Maiden concert, 75, 80% of the people there have Iron Maiden shirts on. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was, the, it was the same way at that, that night. People were there not to see Black Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Sharon Osbourne said later that they paid Iron Maiden $250,000 a night to perform. Wow. And so I guess that was money well spent because it's, it sure did uh, <laughs> sell them a lot of tickets because Iron Maiden fans are always going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was, it's funny, this is, see what you think of this, because I was telling Matt earlier, uh, I said, you know, when I go to a concert, I generally don't wear a shirt of the band that I'm going to see. And he said, except when it's Iron Maiden, he said, it's, it's an unwritten rule. You don't wear a band shirt to their show unless it's Iron Maiden. He said, it's just an unwritten rule. <laughs> I, said, I said, that's, that, that does seem accurate though. Cause when I see Maiden, I do wear a Maiden shirt. Oh, here's here's a funny aside for you. Um, <clears throat> back in 2012, uh, a friend of mine drove up to Vegas. We didn't fly to see a show, but we drove up there to see Guns N' Roses. Okay. And this was before they this is before they got back together with Slash. Okay. And the guy I was with um, before we, when we were getting ready to leave, he put on a Velvet Revolver shirt 
Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, uh, I would not do that if I were you. They probably won't let you in. He goes, oh, that's stupid. They'll let me in. We get there, and they go, you can't go in with that shirt. And they made him take it off and turn it inside out before they would let him in. Wow. So evidently, you know, Axel had want to see anything velvet revolver it, 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 and they were you know you know how he used to be if he maybe sure. if he had seen that from the stage he just would have left and walked off who knows oh but yeah they made him they made him take it off and put it inside out before they let him in that's insane man that is crazy you it's like i guess like what your boss said that's just rock and roll <laughs> yep that's rock and roll that is insane um so the next album Maiden ended up putting out was A Matter of Life and Death. What are your thoughts on that album? What did you think when you heard it? I, I listened to it once or um, Didn't really go back to it that much. Um, recently, though, in order to uh, rank all the songs, um, I, I did. I listened to it. And, you know, I like the second half better than the first half of that album. Okay. I'm not so sure if that's – I don't know if that's a popular opinion or, or yeah. what, but um, – the second half of the album, I think it's just fantastic. The first half is, is is good, but the second half I really like. Okay, okay, that's fair enough. I mean, it's it's people like what they people. We all like what we like, and we don't like what we don't like. So, well, I mean, here's the thing about about Iron Maiden and probably most of the other bands I listen to is if it made an impression on me when I was a teenager, yeah, then I'm I'm gonna love it forever, and it's gonna have a heck of a lot harder of a time to make an impression on me after I've you know. Yeah. become an adult and you know gotten older sure um and, and for everyone because I, I know i hear lots of people on your podcast saying how they love they love all the stuff equally and you know if, if i were to listen to all the all the more recent stuff more I, you know i love it because i did listen to it and there's a lot of good stuff there mm-hmm. but you know it i listen to the to the 1980 stuff because it takes me back oh sure 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 yeah, I mean it's it's hard to com- it's hard to compete sometimes with the nostalgia that comes along with that. Now, t- tell me this: um, as far as Iron Maiden goes, I would say that th- they have kind of a trajectory where they started out, and I know they started out as like a a punk slash metal band, mm-hmm. like they had a lot of punk elements with, when when Deanna was there, yeah. and then they went to metal, and then kind of from metal they went to a rock band, and now they're a progressive band. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really the metal band that I like, the punk and the metal that I that I really like the best. The rock stuff, um, you know, it's no prayer for the dying and uh, yeah, fear of the dark are they're my least favorite ones. And the progressive stuff, usually with the longer songs, I really like that. Um, but you know, maybe I just have a short attention span. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I, I obviously I came in around the same time you did. I, uh, I got into live after death whenever I got it and, and somewhere, and you know, there's a certain amount of progressive stuff back then too. If you go back to say songs like Alexander the great or seventh son of a seventh son, or even probably rhyme of the ancient Mariner, a phantom of the opera. I mean, there's a lot of that there. It's just, I think now the songs have gotten even, I just think now that the songs get more of a time to breathe and like, I feel like they write them and they kind of just say, let's see where this goes. As opposed to, you know, I don't know. I I, I like it all. Yeah, uh, I like it all. I like it all. As a matter of fact, what's funny is, all the songs, 
uh, I listened to Senjutsu and I ranked all the songs. And then I saw somebody posted on on Twitter that that they really, really, really like uh, the Time Machine, and it's such a great song. Uh-huh. So I went back and I listened to it. And originally, I had given it, I think, three stars, and I listened to it a couple more. And, and I listened to it a bunch of times back then. Uh-huh. But just hearing somebody say that they like a song. Then I go back and listen to it kind of with different ears, and I'm like, "Yep, they're right. This is five stars." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can it can. I mean, sometimes just hearing different opinions obviously can help. That's that's why when I try, when I start out, I want it. I don't want anyone's opinions at all. I try to keep any opinions out. Like I'm like, I don't want to hear anything from anybody because, like you said, it can it can influence you. And um, but after a while, I don't mind it. I just I just want to start out fresh if I can and. But I, I do enjoy the progressive stuff. I mean, it's I, I, I there's a the next Iron Maiden story ahead of yours is a guy that plays in a cover or a tribute band, and he is just not as big of a fan of the newer stuff. He prefers the older stuff because he feels like they got rid of the um, a lot of the the melodies, the guitar harmonies, and and I do agree with that. But I said the thing is for me, I just still like Iron Maiden, and I've I've kind of grown with them and what they do. And it's, I said, don't get me wrong. I mean, I go see a band if if all they play is '80s Maiden, I still love '80s Maiden too. But I like I've I've just grown with them, and I like all of it. So, yeah, um, if if I see them, and all they play is stuff from the last ten years. I'm totally cool with that because I'm yeah. not there to see any specific song. I just want to see the guys play. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Same here. Same here. So did you like the final frontier when it came out? I liked it. Uh, you know, I, I heard you say on a podcast that I listened to recently that you were totally turned off with the beginning, all the, you know, the, at first. The drum, yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that was kind of weird, but after a while it grew on me just like you. Um, yeah. I saw a video for coming home and I liked coming home the best. And I know that that's probably ranked lowest on a lot of people's lists, <laughs> but I, I like that one in El Dorado. Yeah. I think a lot of people like coming home though. I think they feel like it's like, I have a friend that's in the military and songs like that mean a lot to people like that because when they listen to it, cause they'll, he told me um, he was in, I guess, Kuwait or Afghanistan or something. And he said, I I remember when we were on our way home and he didn't listen to coming home by maiden. I don't know if it was out at that time, but he said they were listening to songs like uh, home sweet home by uh, Motley Crue because home sweet home. And he said they were listening to mama. I'm coming home by Ozzy. And, And I'm thinking you listen to a song like coming home and it's the same sentiment. I think a lot of people enjoy it. I've seen, I've had people tell me that, Anytime they go somewhere, when they're flying in to their home, they, that's the last song they play on the flight. They'll play Coming Home. So I'm not as big of a fan of it personally, but I do acknowledge that it, I think it's a good song. It's just not my favorite. You know, it's funny because lots and lots of bands have a song called Coming Home. <laughs> yeah. I like the Scorpions one too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even the I know you don't like Kiss, but Kiss has a song called Coming Home. <laughs> so. Um, now what about Book of Souls? Uh, I, same kind of thing. I listened to it a couple times and, you know, after that, not that much, but recently I've, I've gone back to it and, um, I, I do like it. 
Um, Empire of the Clouds. I know people really love that song, but anytime I see a song is eighteen minutes long, yeah. I just <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 a good. I like it, but it's not one that I go to. So, well, let me ask you. So, if you're going through, if you're going through the the most recent albums, I guess when I say that the two thousand albums from two thousand forward, how would you rank them? And if you were you know ranking them in order. How would you rank them from favorite to least? Um, I think Brave New World is the best one out of all of them, tied with A Matter of Life and Death. Okay. Um, those are the, the two best. Um, and I know Matter of Life and Death is your favorite. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. And then <clears throat> Final Frontier, I would go right behind that. Okay. I really like that one. Dance of Death after that. And then Book of Souls. Okay. Book of Souls, fifth. Yeah. Um, and I miss Jitsu. Where is that? Um, oh, that's after I've got that. Let's see here, let me let me start over. I guess <laughs> Brave New World and Matter of Life and Death are, are tied for first. After that, the Final Frontier, then Senjutsu, okay, then Dance of Death, and lastly, Book of Souls. That is, I'm trying to think. That's really my list. Other than I would very, I don't know. You know, Brave New World is. I love both of those albums a lot. Brave New World and. Um, a matter of life and death. Those are my top two for sure. Uh, I might put Senjutsu ahead of Final Frontier on your list, and then that would be my list because I would put Final Frontier, Dance of Death, and then, and I think Final Frontier. I like Final Frontier and Dance of Death real similar too. So, so you, so Book of Souls is last for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of those, and and I like bits of Book of Souls, but I feel like. And especially, I think, if you compare Book of Souls to the new album. I remember hearing Book of Souls for the first time, and I remember hearing Senjutsu for the first time. And I remember the first time I heard Book of Souls, I remember thinking, eh, you know, I like it. But I remember hearing Senjutsu for the first time and being like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Like, I couldn't believe that it was as good as it was after Book of Souls was the last album, you know? Well, I, I'm going to say something that you and your audience might not like, but <laughs> when, when I have listened to all the most recent Iron Maiden albums, yeah. especially the last two, it seems like every song is the same the first time I listen to it. Okay. That's fair. Only after listening to them a bunch of times that that, I, that they start to separate a little bit. Yeah, I mean, sense. if you listen to, to a, an album like The Number of the Beast or Power Slave, I mean, those songs are totally different. Yeah. But now they all seem to be like epic walls of sound, and they're very similar. He does and, use you know, some formulas, that's for sure. Maybe, maybe I'm just old. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, nostalgia plays a big part. But, you know, a lot of the songs now start with, you know, slower intros and things like that, which I enjoy them all, but I, I can understand that. I mean, certain songs, you know, like you hear Stratego, and it definitely – Starts differently than well, I don't know. I mean, this, all I know is that Senjutsu really hit me a whole lot better than Book of Souls did the first on the first listen. I was like, and it still does. So, comparatively speaking, <laughs> yeah, I just you know, th- those guys could release literally anything, and I just like to go buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I enjoy something. So I'm gonna do something that I did on the last episode that came out. Uh, I did a rapid fire at the very end. So I'm going to go album by album, and I want you to tell me your favorite song off every album. Sounds good. So I'll name the album, you name the song, and we'll we'll go from there. So 
The self-titled album, Iron Maiden. What's your favorite song? Iron Maiden, the title track. All right. Killers. Murders in the Rue Morgue. Murders, I expected that. <laughs> the Number of the Beast. Title track. Title track. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, peace of Mind. Peace of Mind. I guess it would have to be The Trooper. I mean, I love a lot of them, but The Trooper, I think, is one of their defining tunes. It is hard. I cannot argue against The Trooper. I think that's it's such an incredible song. Such an incredible song. Okay. Uh, Power Slave. Two Minutes to Midnight. Excellent. Excellent. Somewhere in Time. Wasted Years. Wasted Years. Okay. Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. The Clairvoyant. Clairvoyant. Oh, Matt will have an issue with that. <laughs> Matt, well, he doesn't like that one. He, I think he doesn't. He's not a big fan of the Clairvoyant. The first time I met Matt, the, uh, no, not the first time I met him, but the, we, me and my daughter went to Kansas City during the summer and we went to a couple baseball games. We went and saw the Royals play in Kansas City and we went to St. Louis and saw a Cardinals game as well. And we got in the car with Matt to go somewhere right after we got there to go eat lunch. And I had the clairvoyant queued up to play because I knew he didn't like it. <laughs> uh, I was like, as soon as he got in, I just like, hey, let me turn some music on. And I hit it. And he just, he sat there for about a minute. He was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, speaking of, um, speaking of Seventh Son, um, even though it was Can I Play With Madness, they kind of got me into the band with that poster that I. Yeah. Or, um, I, that song kind of turns people off. Mm -hmm. But every time I listen to it, I really dig it. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it, but it's definitely, if I was ranking the songs in order on that album, I'd probably go, you know, Moonchild title track, um, Evil That Men Do, Infinite Dreams, um, clairvoyant what else am i leaving out only the good die young yeah i would probably maybe put it ahead of the prophecy but i wouldn't put it ahead of any of those other songs so yeah i mean that's, there's no denying seventh son is a great album and you know yeah the evil that men do is another one that i could have said is my favorite oh yeah went. incredible song incredible song and yeah as a matter of fact blaze bailey sang that when i saw them that is a i've heard him sing that before and that is hard because Bruce wails on that song in the chorus. Yep. And that's Love tough. Uh, yeah. So no prayer for the dying tail gunner tail gunner. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, because it's the first song on the album that I bought for the first time after I became a fan. Uh -huh. okay. Um, and when I saw them three times at four nights, uh, they opened with it every single time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, it was really cool. Love it. Love it to this day. I did. I did see that tour with Anthrax as well, and that was uh, yeah. I do remember them opening with that. It's kind of an interesting opener because, like, you compare it to say, um, um, oh gosh, the opening song on Virtual Eleven. It's flipping my mind the name. Uh, but if you compare it to uh, da -na 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 -na. Future Real, yeah, Future if you compare Real. it to Future Real. You know, feature real, they come running on stage, bam, they're playing in the middle of it. You know, a tail gunner, dun 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 It's not as I wonder, did they run out? Did they run out with the drum hit, Trace Your Way Back 50? Is that when they ran out or were they out before that? I can't remember. 
Yeah, I don't remember either. But it it seems to me that Tail Gunner is kind of like just a rehash of Aces High. It's the same theme to it, you know? Theme, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that's another reason I like it. Because yeah. Aces High is, you know, one of my favorites too. Now, this is one that I'm going to be interested to hear what, what your favorite song is of uh, from Fear of the Dark. Be Quick. Ah, Okay. Yep, I know lots of people like Afraid to Shoot Strangers, and you're a fan of Wasting Love. I, I'm not sure I like that one too much. <laughs> I like I like Wasting Love, okay, but I don't. It's not. It's definitely not my favorite. My favorite song from that album is Judas Be My God. It's short and it's catchy and it's very. It's a peppier Iron Maiden song, really, as as far as sounds go. Yep. Maybe not. Maybe not lyrically, but. Um. What about uh, the X Factor? I know that the politically correct answer would be sign of the cross, but my answer is man on the edge. That's a good one though. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. I, I would go sign of the cross just because uh, I just, I don't know. I'm that is probably the iron maiden album. I'm the least familiar with is, is that one. Um, virtual 11. The Klansman. When I saw, I saw blaze Bailey like 10 years ago with solo. Yeah. And he he was playing with a band that wasn't even his solo band. He like just toured with them, and um, I can't remember the name of it. It was like Manhunter or something like that. I got a T-shirt. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but anyway, um, he said when he announced the Klansman, he said that um, he would w- whenever they would play that song, you know, people in the audience would just lose their minds, and to the to the point where it actually intimidated him a little bit, like when, when oh, wow. bikers would come. So yeah, the Klansman is, is, uh, is the one for me. Uh, Future Real though is a close second. Yeah. Yeah. I, my favorite one on that one. I like, I like the song Como Esta Amigos. That's a really cool. Yep, good one. Yeah. Um, so the next album obviously is Brave New World. I'll go with the Wicker Man there. Ooh. Okay. What about a uh, Dance of Death? No more lies. No more lies. A matter of life and death. I know you said recently that for the greater good of God was yours for a long time, and then you've moved on for it. Well, I haven't moved on for it. I'll stick to that one. <laughs> I still love the song, but one day I was just like, I th- maybe I was maybe it felt like the obvious choice, but uh, I, I I went to Benjamin Brig for a bit. Then I went or the legacy, and then I. Cause I remember listening to the album a whole bunch at for a while. And then I just remember thinking, you know what? The legacy, maybe it was just cause it was the last song that I heard on the album each time. And I was like, Oh, this is so great. Um, and Benjamin Brig, I really like that one a lot too. I like brighter than a thousand suns is incredible too. So now, uh, yeah, everything on the second side. I love. Yeah. So next album it, we have, um, the final frontier, the final frontier. I'll, I'll, I'll go with coming home there. Coming home. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Okay. And next album, Book of Souls. Speed of Light. Speed. I I love the chorus, the way Bruce sings it on Speed of Light. Yep. I remember listening to that, and, you know, we knew that Bruce had went through, you know, the, the tongue cancer or whatever. Hearing the way he sang that, you know, shadows in the sun, really like really belting it out. I was like, it was really cool to hear that. So, and I guess the last album obviously is a brand, the newest album. What is your favorite track from Senjutsu? Time machine. 
Time Machine. Time. It's, uh, that's funny because you just mentioned that you weren't liking that one as quite as much, and then that's I like. You know the, the the little guitar melody where it's like da na 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 na. I love that melody. And then there's a break in the song, you know, where the music kind of goes, where it like it it, it it's doing that whole thing, and then it's like like where the music kind of completely shifts, and then it kicks right back into that melody of of the um where the guitar solo kicks in. Oh, that is my I think that's my favorite musical moment of the album. I love it. It's so good. You know, I I saw that. Uh... <clears throat> The, the post on Twitter that caused me to go back and listen to the time machine a bunch of times. And so that's why I selected it. Yeah. But, uh, but honestly, it, this is the way Iron Maiden is with me. If that had been any other song in the album, the same thing probably would have happened to that song. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so that, but when, when the album first came out, death of the Celts was the one that grabbed me the most. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've had a, um, I, I think the first time I listened to it, actually I'll say, from the first time I've listened to it, my favorite song has been the same. Even though, I mean, when I heard the the title track when it opened, that was my favorite song at that time because I was like, "Oh my god, this is incredible! I can't believe this is so good." Because I was thinking, "Will it? Will this album be as good as Book of Souls?" And just listening to that first track, I was like, "Wow, this is better than Book of Souls." So, um, but my favorite track after a full listen has always been hell on earth. So. Yeah. I, I know lots of people share that and um, I'm going to have to listen to that one a bunch more now. One other song that um, the parchment uh, James, who he's one of my co-hosts. He's my most least frequent on the podcast co-hosts, but that's his favorite song on the album. And today uh, I was telling you a, a guy uh, reached out a little bit and he was from Germany and he posted something earlier, but he posted a video of like what the parchment means lyrically. And it, I listened to it as a, it was really interesting. It was interesting to hear what the lyrics meant. Like, because normally I don't really care a whole lot. I'm just kind of like, do I like the song or not? And, and you know, it's interesting, but it was interesting to hear a little more of a breakdown of it. So you might, you might see it later on Twitter or something. I don't know. But um, I will say this because I didn't, you know, like I interact with a lot of people on Twitter and the first interaction I remember having with you on Twitter was, if I recall, you posted, it wasn't just a small one either. You're like, hey, here's my list of all the songs from the first album through, I think, Seventh Son, or maybe it was through Fear of the Dark. You said like here they're all in order. What do you what what's your list? I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> well, actually the first time I ever interacted with you was I, I I posted on Twitter that I really enjoyed the Dennis Stratton interview. Okay, okay, okay. And um because you know like we were saying before you started to record today, I I was a, a man you know that he that he wasn't bitter at all that he's you know, so thrilled and happy to be a part of the Maiden family. Yeah, yeah, that really it blew. Was, it was really cool. It was really cool to hear that. Yes, that kind of blew me away too. I I was just like, it's so cool that yeah. After all these years, and he's still like he was telling me that day. Yeah, I was texting Steve earlier, and I'm going, this guy's texting Steve Harris in 2021, and I guess it's it's funny because. 
when I talked to him, I made sure to be aware of his whole career because I thought, you think about it, he was an Iron Maiden for one year. And that one year was 41 years ago. So I thought, it's not fair for me to get on the phone with him and pretend that that's the only thing he's ever done in his life. And, and I really dug into his history. And he's he pl- he doesn't play on anything quite like Iron Maiden after that. But he's played in a lot of interesting things. So, Yeah, he was, as a matter of fact, on, on uh, YouTube after I heard it on on your podcast that he, he played those Japanese concerts and Clive Burr was in his band. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I saw that and that was like, wow, that's Clive Burr. Like years later, he's, he's, he's older, but it's the same guy. You can tell. Oh yeah. And I want to say that might've been the last show Clive Burr ever played. Yeah. He's what an amazing drummer. I mean, I know people like some, some people like him better than, uh, than uh, Nico. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously they're different, but um, I, w- whenever the original guy leaves, it's kind of a bummer. But at yeah. least we got Nico. <laughs> it's, it's it's always like I I love Nico and I love Clive Burr's playing too. But it's hard to compare them because Clive Burr was there for three albums, and Nico's been there for what, fourteen albums now. So it, it's his history, and I'm I'm glad that that Clive's history is documented on that, um, you know, Beast Over Hammersmith thing. You know that they put that tour out of finally, and and you know, twenty years ago. It's really yeah. co- it's cool to hear that, to hear him play the number of the Beast songs, to hear him play, you know, all those songs the way they were really recorded in a way, because Nico plays them different, so. Yeah, I've, you know, I've, I've heard lots of people say that, not just about Nico and Clive, but, you know, about other uh, musicians and a bit above my head, because I can't play a note. <laughs> Sometimes I miss <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I know you said that as far as lyrics go, you, you you don't necessarily care about the words or what they mean. You just like how it sounds. And maybe I'm kind of the same way with the music. It's like, I don't notice fills or, you know, you know, extra guitar flourishes necessarily. Maybe I just got to pay closer attention. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say this. I, cause I, I do care about lyrics, but sometimes like the parchment, I, I you know what? I think it's, it just depends. Like on an album, like a matter of life and death, the lyrics are, you know, when it's war-based, or some of the Senjutsu lyrics are really cool. Some of them, I guess some stand out more to me than others, and the parchment was just never one that really stood out much when I listened to it, lyrically. Like, I didn't, because there's a lot of lyrics to that song. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, as far as lyrics go, that's one of the reasons I'm not really a big Kiss fan, because their yeah. lyrics are, like, written yeah. by a 13-year-old. You know, I get in, I don't get in trouble in some circles of Kiss, but I'll make comments about like, I can deal with a song that's about sex, but I like it to be a little bit, you know, not so in your face about it. And I I like it to be a little bit kind of hidden in, you know, like you, you know what they're singing about, but it's not just let's put the X in sex kind of thing. Yeah. You gotta be clever about it. Yes. And when they're, when they're clever about it, I like it a lot better, but sometimes the lyrics of their songs will just, I'll be like, I just can't, I just can't deal with this because I don't like the, the, the lyrics are so bad that I just, and, and I'll be telling people that and they'll be like, it's not Iron Maiden, it's Kiss. (laughs) I know, I know, I know, but either way. Yeah. But, um, well, I tell you what, I think we've went through every question I have for you. And, uh, 
Let me ask one of you, and this is a non-Iron Maiden related, but okay. it'll be quick. Okay. What is your favorite Judas Priest song? Ooh, God. Uh, well, my favorite Judas Priest album is Painkiller. Um, you know what? I'm just going to say, and this is probably a very generic answer to say, but I'm going to say Painkiller, the song. Because... You listen to that song and it, it's a it's like a six and a half seven minute song, and it it just goes all over the place and Rob just tears it up in the song. He just sings it insanely, and I, I've said before, and I don't have a problem saying this. My favorite vocalist of all time is Rob Halford. I prefer him to 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 Bruce, but I prefer Maiden. To, to priest as well, so it's a fun. Yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really a big Judas Priest fan, and I, you know, I, <clears throat> yeah, I've never, I, I couldn't even tell you a single song on Painkiller. <laughs> my my favorite is um, Free Will Burning, closely followed by Electric Eye. Okay, those are both excellent songs. Yeah, I I would say you know if you like Free Will Burning a lot, you might like Painkiller a lot, the album because it's a pretty, it's very heavy. It's very, um, they, they had a new drummer who was, who brought them to another level and it was just, that album to me is, it's similar to listening to like Brave New World or A Matter of Life and Death. Every song is really, 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 really good. They're all awesome. I, I never even want to think about skipping a song and another album I know you said you weren't a big Black Sabbath fan, but another album that that has happened that I've really this week I've been listening to this album called uh, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, and I just I listen to it, and when it ends, it starts over, and I just it's like I'm excited again, and I listen to it. I've been listening, I've just been listening to it like nonstop for about four days. I've tried to actually, I've tried to play other songs or other albums. I play an album, and immediately I'm like humming a song off that album, and I'm like, okay, I gotta listen to that again. <laughs> Yeah, so. the Black Sabbath album that I always go to is Heaven and Hell. Yeah, see, I'm not a Dio guy, so. And obviously, when I saw Black Sabbath, they were never going to play any of those songs with Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So. And, and speaking of you know, quote other bands, uh, when I saw Judas Priest in '98 uh, uh-huh. with Ripper Owens singing, yeah, I mean, what a show! You know, every single song was you know, I knew it, and it was they're like all anthems. Yeah, so you know. I, Judas Priest fan that I am, but maybe, maybe I'm just a Judas Priest greatest hits guy. I don't know. You know, I I, I I count Judas Priest as one of my favorite bands, but they're definitely more sporadic than Maiden. Like to me, Maiden has been very consistent, and Priest changes things up a lot more, which I respect, but I don't always like. So, but it doesn't mean I don't like them. So, <laughs> yep, I hear you. But, uh, I mean, in, in another thing, it's just like music. What your mood is that day that, you know, one day you might want to hear it and the next day you might not want to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny because I asked George, uh, he does this metal, he does the Metal Gods podcast, um, the Priest podcast. And I asked him, I said, because I know he's a huge Maiden fan as well. And I said, who do you like better? Maiden or Priest? And, and I thought his answer was very good because he said, you almost can't compare them because... Maiden is like, uh, you know, looking at fine art and listening to 
priest is like, you know, just going to a party, kind of something along those lines. And I thought that's a really good way to say it because they're just two different, completely different bands. It's just they get compared a lot because they're both huge in the scene. So, yeah. Speaking of other bands, one more time is I remember I heard, I read somewhere that um, <clears throat> Rod Smallwood was obsessed with ACDC. Uh-huh. He, he wanted to figure out how they could possibly be that, you know, the, those uh-huh. such a big marketing machine, because I guess in his mind, ACDC was like number one and Iron Maiden was number two. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to figure out how they could like be the number one band. Um, I've because, heard I that. mean, if, if you go to like, when I saw ACDC here, the last time they were in town was 2008. And I mean, like every single person there was buying merch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Iron Maiden, most of the people there buy merch, but not every single person there. Yeah. And I guess that I guess that's what Ron is after. He wants everybody to buy merch. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's I, I want to say I heard the same thing about Metallica, that Metallica was looking at ACDC as the as the standard of how, you know, we're huge. But how do we get there? So I, I think I, I definitely agree with that. So yeah, I mean it's and it's 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 not quantifiable. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They, it's amazing that the, yeah. It, it, to me, I wouldn't. I think ACDC. To I will say, as I've gotten older, when I go to a Maiden show, I'm not gonna buy any Maiden shirt. It's gonna have to be something that I'm just like I'm not gonna go buy the one where. It's got the number of the beast Eddie with the big humongous horns sticking out of the top of his head and looking as evil as can be. I mean, I'm like, it doesn't bother me, but I'm just like, you know, I'm a 50 year old man. I don't want to wear that. Well, you're not quite 50, right? <laughs> I'm close. I'm close. Well, you know, along the lines of just not buying any shirt, I, I know what you mean. Cause I think it was in 2010, I went to the, see what shirts they had. And they had one shirt that had this little green alien on it. Mm-hmm. And like, it was like on the moon and he was like sticking a flag on it. It's like, that's the coolest one. I got to get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy like anyone. Last time um, when I saw them in 2019, I got an Aces high shirt, which is cool. Couldn't resist. But, you know, usually I like to get the ones that are just a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that Aces high is the one that had uh, a matter of life and death on the back. Is it? Yeah. That's the what if you're talking about at the legacy show. Yeah, the legacy show. Yeah, that's that's the one I got because as soon as I saw a matter of life and death cover on the back, I'm like, that's the shirt I'm buying. <laughs> of course, I bought. Yeah, it, Go ahead. Honestly, I've, I've never even worn it because I, I want to keep it in mint conditions. Yeah, yeah. You know, I used to feel that way. Get off the call with you right now. I'm gonna go look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember. Um, I I used to do that where I didn't want to wear the shirts, and I just thought, you know what. If I die tomorrow, my kids will probably give these shirts to Goodwill or something. So I, I thought I should enjoy them while I have them. So <laughs> I understand that. I hear you. I mean, you like, I think we like to think of our kids as wanting to keep all of our stuff, but it's like, if my parents die, I'm not going to keep all their stuff. So well, that's, yeah, that's right. As a matter of fact, I, I don't know if you collect records, but I've got a couple hundred of them. Oh, yeah. And, what are you going to do with my records if I were to die? And he goes, I would sell all the crappy ones to a record store and keep all the good ones. <laughs> and I said, well, none of them are crappy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you're not selling any of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh man. 
Well, Tom, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, get on here with me and, and chat Maiden and chat music in general. I really appreciate your time, sir. Well, I really enjoyed it, and I, I really appreciate the fact that you just have normal, regular people on to tell because lots of podcasts, they, you know, they're basically looking for only other podcasters to try and raise their, their uh, profile. Um, but, you know, it's very Iron Maiden of you to go straight to the fans. <laughs> I, I will say, I, I used to want to be on other people's podcasts, and that's what I always noticed as well, is that it was, they always had other podcasters on, and it was like you, it was hard to, I was, there was no way to crack into it, and I really didn't even think about it when I started. I just... One day I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't have any connections to anybody. It was just a matter of who can I meet and who can I talk to? And I accidentally came into this idea of doing the Iron Maiden stories and it's just snowballed. So I really like it because I, I, I always think to myself, this is what I would have wanted from a podcast if I was not doing my own podcast. So I appreciate well, you, that. You bet. And you, you selected the perfect band. <laughs> stories because this is exactly the kind of thing that other Iron Maiden fans want to hear. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not so sure that, you know, another one of my favorite bands is the black crows. Uh And, um, I'm not so sure that black crows fans care what any other black crows fans think, (laughs) you know, Uh, but Iron Maiden fans are just a different, different breed. It seems. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I totally agree, man. Well, dude, I really do appreciate it. And I hope you have a good rest of your day, man. Thank you very much, Uncle Steve. Yes, sir. Cheers, sir. Well, there you have it. I hope that you have enjoyed Tom's story. It was a lot of fun to chat with him. He's very list worthy making guy. <laughs> He's always making me list. Kirsty, have you seen all the lists he'll make? Oh yes, I have. <laughs> it, it, he'll he'll say like he'll make a list of something, and then he's just like, "Hey, Steve, what's yours?" I'm like, "Uh, I'm not very good at this." Nope. So. <laughs> Yeah, I almost want to just say, some, one time he said something, I said, I can't answer that. I have a podcast. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, again, it's, it's, I always enjoy when people come on and do their stories. And so, Kirsty, if a person wanted to come on and do their story, how do they do that? Um, they would send their story to ironmaidenpodcasts at gmail.com. And they would also write a little bit about themselves and their whole life history and how it intertwines with their Iron Maiden music listening. Very good, very good. And then you'll get in contact with them and sort out a time to speak to them. Indeed, indeed. That is what they do. And, you know, Kirsty did hers 
yours was number six, and this one, the last, this one here today, was installment thirty-five. So it's it's. I'm surprised. It's always. Uh, I'm always surprised that when I think about how many people have done these stories so far, it's it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. It's really cool. So yeah, I'm sure there's plenty more out there. There's got to be. I mean, I go to a concert and there's. 15,000 people there. So where are all these people? <laughs> and if they need to talk to me, I don't know if I have that much time. <laughs> I'll have to retire. <laughs> but uh, so with all of that said, on behalf of myself, on behalf of Tom, on behalf of, we'll, we'll throw a, a bone out to Matt because he's not, be, on behalf of our, uh, <laughs> I was about to say our deceased partner. <laughs> Diseased. <laughs> Diseased, yeah, there you go. On behalf of our diseased partner, Matt. On behalf of my friend, Kirsty. From Iron Man, from Iron Maiden, from Eddie, and from the boys. in life are bad they can really make you mad other things just make you swear and curse when you're chewing on life's gristle that grumble give a whistle and this'll help things turn out for the best and always look on the bright side of life Always look on the light side of life If life seems jolly rotten There's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps Don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle That's the thing Always look on the bright side of life It's quite absurd And death's the final word You must always face the curtain with a bow Forget about your seat Give the audience a grin Enjoy it, it's your last chance and out So always look on the bright side of death Just before you draw your terminal breath
I'm not much of a drinker. I mean, I know I've said that before, but um, the other day, I uh, my mom said my dad wanted some. Well, this will tell you how much of a drinker I am. Listen to this. So my mom tells me, hey, you can go buy your dad some Irish whiskey for Christmas. Just She goes, go buy him a fifth of Irish whiskey. She said, it'll last him all year long. And I'm like, okay, sure. I, you know, I, I wasn't going to, I didn't have him bought anything. So I said, okay. So I'd grab Sarah and we go up to a liquor store. And so I go in there and, and we're looking around and Sarah says, okay, there's a thing right there that says whiskey. So we walk over there, we find the whiskey. And then, you know, I, I didn't realize there were so many different places that made whiskey, but so I, I find, I find Irish whiskey, whiskey, a big section of it. And there's, you know, there's all these different brands and I don't know which one to buy. I'm just, I'm kind of like going, okay, which one's the cheapest? Because I mean, none of them are cheap, you know, they're all kind of pricey, mm-hmm. but then I find one in a box and it's called black dog. Right. And I'm like, okay, my dad, my parents used to like Led Zeppelin and they have a song called black dog. So I'll get the black dog. That's, you know, that, that made my decision easy. So I grab the black dog thing and we're walking around the store and just, I'm just like, we're just looking. Cause I, there was a certain band that I, you might've heard of Kirsty that has their own beer and yes. with cool beer bottles. And of course I'm in a, a liquor yes, so they don't sell it here. <laughs> well, they don't sell it in the city I live in either, apparently, because I we looked on every aisle in the liquor store. We looked through all everywhere, trying to, I was like, I said, I won't drink it, but I'll buy it at least and have a bottle mm. of it. That'd be kind of cool. I should have, I guess I should have got one when I was at Nico's place in Florida. <laughs> but uh, yeah. anyway, we're looking around and I see this stuff. Uh, it's called Fireball Whiskey. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Okay. And it's, if. I don't know if when you were kids, but they used to have these little cinnamon toothpicks you could chew on. You remember those? We had like a cinnamon gobstopper. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they had, I don't know if y'all had big big red chewing gum. So, you know, real it's just real cinnamony. Like dentine. Mm. Dentine chewing gum is one of the kinds we had too. But anyway, yep. or, or close-up toothpaste. All cinnamony stuff. So I, I, I saw this stuff and, and I was like, oh, I know a girl on Facebook that I'm friends with and every, I don't know if it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or holiday or whatever, but they'll, she'll always have a picture of her and her sister and her dad. And they're all taking a shot of this stuff called fireball whiskey. It's cinnamon whiskey. And I'm like, so I saw it and there's three or four kinds of it. And one of them is, I guess it's a container where you can get, um, I don't know if it's, I think it, maybe it was in a bag. I don't know. And on the box, it says, tastes like heaven burns like hell. And I'm like, I'm buying some of this. <laughs> I mean, I don't drink, but I like, you know, I, 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 I'm a sucker for uh, advertising. So I'm a bad, like anyone can sell me anything. So, so I was like, okay, I find the smallest bottle of it, which was still, Oh, I didn't tell you the other part of the story about the whiskey. So, but anyway, I'll tell you this first. So we bought the, I picked one of those up and uh, okay. So let me go back in time here. We're on the whiskey aisle and I find the black dog. I pick up the black dog. But before I did that, I pull my phone out, you know, and I say, Hey Siri, what is a fifth of whiskey? <laughs> Cause I have no idea. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I'm just like, I know it's a, some kind of a measurement, but I have no idea. And it took me saying it multiple times and finally, and looking it up and I finally discovered what it was. And I was like, okay, so it's this size here. I'm like, why didn't it just say 
Why didn't my mom just say like, get a 20 ounce bottle or whatever, you know, something like that. But which I, what do you use? What's the measurement you would use for liquid? What, what, what it was commonly used? Would y'all use ounces as well? Or y'all use something else? Liters mostly. Okay. Liters. So yeah. you know what a fifth is then, right? Well, I don't drink whiskey, so. I... <laughs> well, it's just the measurement apparent. Okay. So just, so here, I'll give you a lesson that I had to learn that I just learned on uh, fr- uh, Friday. A fifth is 750 ml of liquid, apparently. So, at least of alcohol. Yeah, so that's a sensible amount of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I bought a fifth of that. I bought a fifth of the cinnamon whiskey. And so I get out to my dad's house and, that night, and I gave it to him. And and he goes in there, and he's he walks in there. He's looking at it. He goes, oh, you bought me some scotch. And I'm like, no, 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 I bought you whiskey. Because I don't, I have no idea. I don't know nothing about, I'm thinking whiskey and scotch are just completely different things. And he goes, no, it's scotch. Look, it says, what do you say? He says, it's Scottish whiskey. It was made, and I'm like, what? No, no, no. I said, I, I was in the Irish section. But I guess I moved over one part when I went to the black, when I saw Black Dog and I got Black Dog, it was scotch instead of whiskey. So I'm like, okay. So I bought the, it was, Whiskey made in Scotland is called Scotch, apparently. <laughs> I yes, didn't know I that. did know that. Well, I didn't know that. He so. likes it anyway. I didn't. I didn't know this. I can tell you so. So we're out at my dad's house, and he's like, and and like I said, I'm not. A, you know, I'm. I drink mango margaritas. Right? So, so I'm like, I said, like, yeah, I'll try it. I don't care. I mean, I bought it. It's. I can handle one shot of something. It's not gonna. I'm not gonna get drunk or anything off of a shot of something. So. So I said, yeah, give, make me a, you know, give me a shot glass and I'll, I'll, you know, just knock it back. So he makes me a shot of it. I knock it back and I didn't really taste it. I just shoved it to the back of my throat and, and goes and just gulped it in one gulp. I, I, I was just like, God, that is like drinking. That's gotta be like drinking paint thinner or something. It was terrible, but it cleared my throat, Kirsty. Like my throat was like, it felt like. Anything that was in my throat was gone. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I need to send some. That's a mad. Apparently, go go buy some scotch. But uh, but he had some Irish whiskey, and I guess he had a drink. And he goes, "You want me to? You want me? You want to try this Irish whiskey stuff?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" So he gave me a drink of that in a shot glass, and apparently he had mixed it with some tea, uh, some sweet tea. Do y'all y'all don't drink sweet tea? Y'all don't put sugar in your tea over there, do you? Or in England, um, did y'all put sugar in, in your tea? In iced tea. Um, I okay. do not put sugar in my tea. No. Okay. 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 But so my parents would, and, and so he made. I guess he had mixed some sweet tea with the with the uh, Irish whiskey, and I drank it. I knocked it back the same way, and I was like, "Well, this isn't bad at all." He goes, "Yeah, it's it's mixed with sweet tea." I'm like, "Okay, well, that, that's what did it." So then, so we go home, and my son knew that I had bought this uh, uh, Fireball stuff, and so he goes do you want to take a shot of the fireball? And, and my son, it was his birthday. He, he's 18. So he's a legal adult. I'm going, well, I don't know, man. Cause I don't want to give you something. Cause if you like something, then you're going to go out somewhere and go, Oh, well I like alcohol. Let me start drinking alcohol, you know, and, and could start some problems, I guess. So, so, uh, I just, you know, I thought, you know what? He's a responsible kid. And cause I said, dude, you couldn't do this. Cause if you start driving, you know, he goes, I can't, he goes, dad, I can't drink if I'm out somewhere cause I have to drive. And I was like, okay, you know, he's a smart kid. So I said, okay, let's do it. 
<laughs> so we're looking around and I had, I had bought a shot glass somewhere one time at like a thrift store. I don't know why I bought it, but I bought it. And so we're looking around for it. We can't find it anywhere. So, uh, what do you suppose we, we use this shot glasses, Kirsty? Oh, I've got absolutely no idea. <laughs> we use, um, when you buy like a, when you buy like cough medicine, <laughs> It comes with these little plastic yeah, cups. Yeah, yep. So that was our, <laughs> that's what we use. This, that's what we use. <laughs> so I had one that was a 30 ml. That's the max on that one. So I filled that one up and he had one that was like 20. So I. That's good because it probably tasted like cough mixture, did it? It. I'll be honest with you. It, it just tasted like something with something very cinnamony. I, I couldn't taste the alcohol in it. Mm. And it's really strong. It's like 40% alcohol or something like that. I think, I think I, it's, all that stuff confuses me, all the content, you know, Andrew always posts, he'll drink a beer and it'll be like 7% alcohol or something like that. And I know that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot for a beer. Yeah. And then, but, but on a whiskey and it's saying 40, the one, the, the stuff I got my dad said, it seemed like it said 60% or something. So when I saw 44, I was like, Oh, that's not bad at all, I guess. <laughs> so, but, but we both drank it and. In all honesty, he goes, that's pretty good. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> and I tasted it. And I was like, yeah, that is pretty good, actually. I was like, this is something I could actually drink. But I, so that's my, uh, that's my alcohol story for uh, Christmas Eve. Adventures with alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Do what? It's your adventure with alcohol for the Yeah, year. adventures, yeah. you going to be back to your mango margaritas. <laughs> yeah, I I, I, you know, I like the mango margaritas too. So, but at least I thought now I always try, like I said, I could watch a beer commercial. I had a person talk me into drinking, tasting a Guinness once. He talked about it and talked about it so long that I thought, man, that stuff sounds delicious. <laughs> so, so I went and bought two cans of it or bottles of it. And I mean, I just put it on my tongue and it was, ugh, it was disgusting. And it oh, was, I love it. <laughs> Do you? I'm just not. A, I don't like beer. So, and because I thought it was so bad, and this is probably a couple years ago, and so Sarah was about 12, and Sarah was like, "Can I try it?" And I thought, "This is terrible. She'll hate it." I gave it to her, and yeah, she hated it like I did. So, but uh, I guess we should move Good on job. here, and uh, I still have to edit a podcast later. So. Yeah.